Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, like, I want to congratulate you, and I know that you're getting up in years now like me, and I just, I just know that it's got to be a time that where all these Super Bowls, you've got to say to yourself, time to ride off into the sunset. That's not going to happen, is it? No. no. Okay. I'm going to enjoy this one right here. I'm going to okay. tell you, this is unbelievable. Uh, Remember that. Philadelphia, you did a great job. It was a great game. But how about those cheese? That's what we're talking about. Have a cheeseburger on us and enjoy their Hawaiian shirts. Well, there you go. That was a year ago, in case you hadn't figured it out. Andy Reid getting uh, the trophy for Super Bowl 57. Last year, that's Terry Bradshaw. Jody Mack, Terry Bradshaw with a really weird intro to that, which is like, hey, we're both getting older. You're going to retire. It's not what you normally would ask a guy the minute he wins the trophy. On the Super Bowl podium, yeah, that that's not a starter. <laughs> it didn't quite add up, but they recovered thanks to Andy Reid, who was gracious and excited. And Yeah, I'm sorry, Eagle fans, if it was a little bit annoying, but uh, Andy Reid did get his just deserves, and he's going for another one, G-Mac. He's going for another one today. 6.30 start to Super Bowl 58. Uh, estimated 150 Americans will watch that game, Jody Mack, including you and I and all of ours. Let me before we get to the meat of it. What's your what are your watching plans? You got people over? Just you and Carol? What's going on? <laughs> uh, that would be solo, my friend, because yours truly for the third oh, consecutive yeah. year oh, is God. on the air during the Super Bowl. I got so shifted when you around do that. a couple of years ago when COVID kicked in. Yeah, uh, that ended up being my shift, and my shift happens to fall during the time the Super Bowl is played. So I could be a jerk and ask for it off or whatever, but somebody's got to do it, and it might as well be me. So I will be on the air during the Super Bowl. Hey, it's a paycheck. We all get it. You work when you work. You work when you can work. Um, when you do that, do you counter-program? Is it like, hey, let's go spring training. We'll talk to this guy. Or do you just kind of do the – you can't do play-by-play, clearly. Right. That's, that's against the law, but can you – just kind of do a backstory of the Super Bowl? As it should come to no surprise to you, I try and find a middle ground. Um, <laughs> I I will have three pre-taped interviews, probably, on the, oh, that's probably good. on the lengthy side. Yeah, hit that, the play uh, button and watch the TV. We'll play during the show, and for the third consecutive year, we're going to zero in on three towns that have significant sports stories going on in them, not just football, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, one of which is Philadelphia, 
one of which my guest will be a guy I think you know a little bit by the name of Mike Sealski, who's oh, going to yeah. jump on and talk all things Philly sports with me. We'll pre-tape that. I'm doing a Dallas spot because between the Cowboys, Rangers Super Bowl champions, Luca and Kyrie, they've got good sports stories, and also Phoenix because you unfortunately remember the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. was surprise entry into the World Series last year, and I did watch the Suns and the Warriors last night. Damn good in-season Saturday night basketball game. Uh, they got championship aspirations, and we may get Jonathan Gannon involved in the conversation a little bit. So nice. I'll do three spots from three towns across the country, and uh, we're not doing that. I'll just note what may or may not be happening during the game played this afternoon without so, doing play-by-play. There was uh, years when you and I were working together back in the 90s when I was in uh, Tom Bigby's doghouse. That was our program director, and I was in the doghouse. And in those days, WIP did not have the Eagles, the Eagles games. We didn't have them. They were, on, they were on 94.1, but we weren't. We were 610. Right. And I got the shift being on WIP during the Eagles games. Oh, that's fun. That was not out for you. That's a lot of fun. I had that for two or three years. That was not good. Anyway, uh, so tonight, the game, if you choose to listen to Jody Mack, do it. But if not, the game, of course, is on CBS with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Uh, I don't remember if it was you and I or you and Mike and I that discussed Tony Romo a couple weeks ago and just – I. I thought when he started he was good. I now I just can't stand listening to him. It, it will take my Super Bowl enjoyment down about 10%. Really? Yeah. Um, I would say not 10, but Romo isn't as good as he was built up to be. I think they actually kind of clipped his wings and told him, don't be calling the plays out ahead of time. We've gotten complaints from the team that are writing us billions of dollars of checks that you're giving away their offense ahead of time. So – in, in a way, I kind of feel bad for him because otherwise he's not that good. And his attempts at humor fall flat on his face. Bingo. Uh, I'm not, not a fan, but I, I would not let uh, Romo's missives uh, take down my enjoyment of the Super Bowl. Well, it is on Nickelodeon. Uh, Noah Eagle. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I am yeah. son. And Nate Burleson. Who I think Nate Burleson, I think he's good. I think he's an up-and-comer. They're going to do it there. Joined by SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, how can you not tune into SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> you you see, you're that. back in the SpongeBob SquarePants mode. I'm out. My daughter is now in her 20s. Forget yeah. that. I was no, a I big SpongeBob SquarePants guy, but I'm 10, 15 years removed from it now. You, Grandpa, are back in the SpongeBob oh, yeah. mode. Second generation SpongeBob. Yeah. So we'll. Uh, I know who Patrick Starr is, Jody. I, Very I good. Know this. I know the. So anyway, choose to watch the game as you wish. And one of the big stories, of course, for us is Andy Reid, who you heard at the start, the start of the show. Andy Reid is now 65 years old. Oh my God, he came here. He was in his young 40s. Um, the, the, the real obvious question, and I'm not the first to ask this, but I haven't discussed this with you. If he wins today, if he takes the trophy, he will be the fifth coach with three Lombardi trophies, just the fifth. And, and he's, you know, as you heard in that start, and I believe it, he's not close to retiring, agreed? I don't believe so. Okay. I, so that yeah, being I, the case, he, he can chase Belichick's six titles. I know he's going to get there, but he's got Patrick Mahomes, which is, certainly gives him an edge up. Where does he rank for you? Let's, let's just say he wins today, wins his third. 
where does he place to you among the great modern coaches? I'm not going back to Lombardi, Paul Brown, but start with like Bill Walsh forward. Um, certainly behind Belichick. I would put him behind Shula as well. Um, yeah, he could be number three. He I would have Land- Walsh. He I, I would have Walsh, Walsh ahead, but I don't know about parallel. Shula anymore. And you know who's another one who always gets underrated, understated? I know who you're going to say. May I Joe guess Gibbs. who you're going to say? Yeah. Chuck Knoll? No. Oh. Um, Gibbs. Yes. Yeah, good point. To win three with three separate quarterbacks, let's be honest, Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls in large part because of Tom Brady. And Tom Brady won six because of large part about Bill Belichick. But you got that quarterback-coaching combo. It can carry you a long way. Gibbs did it with three different guys. That's like, for mm-hmm. me, one of the greatest coaching achievements in the history of the National Football. Agree. If he had stayed longer, if, if Joe Gibbs, because Joe Gibbs, I don't know how many years he coached there. I know he came back. It didn't work the second time. But if he had just stayed there the first time instead of going into the auto racing thing and coached for 20 years, I think he would be up there with Belichick. I think he'd be right at the top. But he, he left young. Good for him. Yeah, so we both agree Andy's top five with a chance to move up, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my question. Why didn't it work here? Was it that he was – Yeah, I, I have two ideas, but I want to go to you first. Um, one of them was not, but the question is, is, is he too young that he just gradually got better over time? And we were there when he was in high school, and they got to enjoy him when he was in college, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, and I think that is part of it. I think that's an astute observation on your point. Apart, some guys – hit their groove later in life and Andy yeah, and you don't know that nobody knows that if Jeff Laurie knew that he would hire the guy who's just about to kick into his groove every single time there, there there's no written formula to look it up and go all right this is the perfect time to have this guy for the next 10 years some hit it in their 30s some don't hit it till their 50s so it's it's kind of difficult to do um that and uh Donovan McNabb wasn't Pat Mahomes <laughs> That's yeah. pretty pretty simplistic, but yeah, very yeah. true, and and I think does make a huge difference if you've got that guy who is a perennial Super Bowl contender year in year out. He's going to play quarterback to that level. That's how you can get there that often. Yeah, he had McNabb through two thousand nine, then like just a little Kevin Cobb, and then and then Vic, and McNabb and Vic were both very good quarterbacks, right? Neither of them is Patrick Mahomes, who's a Hall of Famer at age 28. Not even close. Neither yeah. one of those guys are a Hall of Famer, period. Doesn't matter. Their career right. over. No, I'm that, right. Get Michael yeah, Vick yeah. or uh, Donovan McNabb in the Hall of Fame, and you're right. If Mahomes breaks his leg today and has some kind of massive injury and never plays another game in the National Football League, I'm with you. I think he's already made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Gail Sayers. The guy I know, you know played six years in the league, broke his leg, like you said, never played again. He got in the Hall of Fame. He's a running back, not a quarterback, but the same principle. And, yeah, this is not a shot at Donovan McNabb, who had a very nice career here, and it's not a shot at Mike Vick, who came here and had that almost MVP season. But neither of them was good enough with the teams they played for to rise up and win the Super Bowl, and I think that's a huge part of it. He's got the guy. And I think there's another reason here, which is – over time, and this is when people say, oh, Andy should have st- – if Andy had stayed, it would have been different. We would have gotten all that stuff. 
I, I think one of the reasons it didn't work here was that his coaching staff just fell apart. Now, maybe he could have rebuilt it again, but this is – let me tell you, these are the coaches he had, the assistants, the year he went to the Super Bowl in 04 here. Jim Johnson, defense coordinator, Brad Childress, offense coordinator. Pretty good start. Assistant coaches, Ron Rivera, linebackers, became an NFL head coach. John Harbaugh, special teams, became an NFL head coach. Steve Spagnuolo, linebackers, now his defensive coordinator. Sean McDermott, defensive backs. Leslie Frazier, defensive backs. Pat Shermer, quarterbacks. Marty Morningwake, special assistant. Juan Castillo, offensive line. What a staff that was. Yeah. Now, those well, guys left. Best staffs ever in history of national football. Again, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. No. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about coaching trees. Then most of those guys, well, certainly Harbaugh succeeded as a head coach. McDermott's been pretty good in Buffalo. A lot of the other guys kind of mixed results. But still, that's, that's a tree. That's a coaching tree. And those are great assistants. By 2012, when Andy was Andy's last year, Juan Castillo, who, as we said, was his offensive line coach, somehow ended up the defensive coordinator when he fired McDermott. David Culley was the senior offensive assistant. David Culley, if you remember, was the guy who couldn't coach wide receivers. Marty Morningway was the offense coordinator. The one that's interesting is Doug Peterson was the quarterback coach on his way up. And I think more than anything, the reason Andy ultimately failed here, the quarterback clearly, but also you got to have a good staff. You got to have good assistance, and that and that fell apart. But he's done a nice job in Kansas City. He has Bienemy that whole time brings in Nagy to replace Bienemy when Bienemy finally decides to go elsewhere. The much maligned Matt Nagy because he didn't win as a head coach in Chicago. He comes in. Their offense continues to click as is. Steve Spagnuolo is an interesting guy because he's had a couple of different stops couple different uh, ups and downs, including his shot as a head coach, which, oh, by the way, if you don't think talent wins for you, he had some bad teams that he was coaching. He had yeah. no shot, and he wasn't good enough to rise them above that. But he's been up and down New York, Philadelphia, now in case. I, I, he's right now probably the best defense coordinator in all of football, and I would have bet good money against that 10 years ago. Um, so to rejuvenate in a spot like Kansas City and Andy having the faith in him to give him that shot tells you that Andy, he, he, he was like every other player on the planet. He hit a slump. He had a coaching slump, but he has now come out of it on the other side, and that's one of the reasons why Kansas City's in the Super Bowl today. Yeah, it is, it is critical. Listen, did we learn that here in Philadelphia this year? It is critical for a head coach to have a good staff Eagles didn't have it. Hopefully they will have it now. Andy lost it here in Philadelphia. Now he has it in Kansas City. And the other thing here is that Andy lost the lost control toward the end of Howie Roseman. Uh, and they were – when Andy left here, he described it as people were not pulling in the same direction. And that, you know, that's also a thing that can destroy a team, can destroy a coach, is if the coach and the GM or the coach whoever's making the personnel decisions see it differently, it ain't going to work for the coach. Now, in Kansas City, Andy's in charge of personnel. Andy's the one who drafted Mahomes. It's worked out nicely. Dress, and he is, believe it or not, an underdog in today's game.
which you know, they, I don't know about you, Mac. I did this last night because I was on CBS last night. I looked it up. ESPN, CBS, Sports Illustrated, and one more major outlet. I forget what it was. I looked up four of them. Heavily, the quote-unquote experts, the guys on the payroll, the writers, the broadcasters and the like, are heavily picking the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Yet the Kansas City Chiefs are still an underdog in this game. If it was just a bad Vegas line, and Vegas doesn't put out bad lines very often, but you never say never, it would have self-corrected. Enough millions of dollars would have come in to make it less than what it is, yet San Francisco is still a two-point favorite. And I think that kind of tells you something, that uh, people, while trying to give Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, coach quarterback, that's what everybody looks at first, uh, I'm a fan of both Shanahan and Purdy, but I readily admit Reed and, and Mahomes have the, the larger resume and the more successful resume. But I think people are actually looking at the entire 53-man roster and saying, who's the better team? And that's why San Francisco's still See, the favorite. and I think you're exactly right. Have you made a public pick yet? Yeah. All right. Well, then, we, we, I mean, we'll do it at the end of the show, but just who, without the score and the whole setup, who'd you pick? Chiefs. Uh, excuse okay. me. Uh, I got the Niners. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm betting against the Chiefs. Okay. You got the Niners. I I'm have going, the I'm going against what the great majority. I mean, yeah. great. Uh, Glenn, yeah, we've had some mismatched Super Bowls. Oh, yeah. But I guarantee you, if you just went back and did the research on, quote, unquote, media selections, never have we had an underdog, and they are the underdog. People have different ways to determine how they look an underdog. What's bigger than betting these days in this country? I've always looked at it that way. But now in today's society, you can't look at it any other way. Never has an underdog been the popular pick of the quote-unquote experts to the level that it is this week with the Chiefs. Uh, I agree, and I'm taking the Chiefs. I think it has the chance to be a very, very good Super Bowl. I think it's going to be higher scoring than, than most people think. I could be. I think it could be one of those fun ones. Mm-hmm. All right. So just real quickly, the reason I'm picking the Chiefs, I is that this. I agree with you that the Niners have more talent top to bottom. They have, you know, if you take the 20 best players in this game, I, I'm pulling this out of my ear, but say 12 of them are Niners and eight of them are Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs have the best player in the game at the most important position, and I think the Chiefs have been playing a lot better recently. I looked at those – well, we all looked at those Niners playoff wins. Kind of lucky they could have lost either of those games. I know the Chiefs didn't – certainly didn't dominate Baltimore last week, but I think the Chiefs were certainly not very good early middle of the season. The Eagles beat them. But I think the Chiefs have played better over the last month and so, Jody, I'm going to take the, the, the horse that's had the better stretch recently. That's fair, but I'm determining my I'm determining my pick on a lot of things. But one of the key aspects for me was the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles played the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. within 13 days of each other. No, it wasn't like the first month of the season and the last month of the season and things can change or whatever. Oh, no, the, the Eagles went into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs in their house, fair and square. All right, Marquez valdez Gandhian dropped a blatant touchdown pass. I think you have to acknowledge that. But they did win that game, and 13 days later, they got their rear ends handed to them 
by the San Francisco 49ers. And in 2020 hindsight, and I'm not making this up, Eagle players have said this, it, it derailed their entire season. That was the first domino to fall, and damn if they didn't fall the entire rest of the season. Yeah, I know the transitive property of if A equals B, B equals C, A's got to equal C. Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But if you want to use the Philadelphia Eagles as a barometer, yeah, San Francisco 49ers going to win the game today. All right, first of all, I didn't know there was going to be math on this test. <laughs> transitive property. Where? What, what are you, back at Albany? Uh, yeah, oh, well, uh, come on. Uh, we, did, we didn't study that hard at all. But Back at Yonkers High? Where did this come from? Uh, come um, on, Sacred Heart, you know that. Don't don't dismiss Sacred Heart High School. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't remember the name of your high school. Pardon me. Um, all right, well, we're going to talk about that and more. And Jody mentioned some things that uh, Eagles have said at Radio Row this week. One of them uh, was said by Jason Kelsey, and Jody and I find it a little bit... I don't know, disturbing, disappointing, point us in a direction that we don't like. We'll play that for you coming up. And we'd love to hear from you. We're going to be talking a lot of Super Bowl today. We've got a couple of good guests coming on. Uh, Barrett Brooks and Adam Kaplan will both join us to talk football. We'll talk baseball, Philly, spring training around the corner, Jody Mack, with Scott Lauber, uh, a little bit of a Sixers who look like they may pick up a uh, fan favorite today. He's not young, but, you know, guy we always liked in this town. Uh, and we want to hear from you, 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow, Super Bowl Sunday, 94 WIP. Let's go to the phones, 215-592-9494. Talk to Matt and Perkisey. Hello, Matt. We got Matt. How are you? There we go. Hey. So, uh, this uh, uh, just piggybacking off of what Jody was saying about the Eagles and the Niners and the Eagles and the Chiefs, I, I think that we're missing the uh, Ravens in San Francisco against the Niners and then the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Very true. Because the Ravens absolutely destroyed them in San Francisco, and then the Chiefs won, obviously, last week. And I think the Chiefs are playing better football than they were when they played the Eagles. And I don't think the Niners are playing very good football at all. They should have lost to the Packers. They definitely should have lost to the Lions. So I can't. I, I, you can't use one set of transitive properties and not another. Can, can I question uh, a statement you just made? They absolutely should have lost to the Lions. They scored 27 unanswered points. Does that not count? Uh, yeah, but the Chiefs defense isn't going to allow you to score 27 unanswered points. Well, we'll see about that today. Yeah, I don't think they're getting 27 unanswered, but I'm with Glenn. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of points uh, put on the board. And uh, for those who are arguing the uh, 40, uh, Chiefs have been better than the 49ers of late, certainly in their uh, playoff games, that's correct. You know who else was better in their playoff games and looked like the hotter team going into the Super Bowl, Glenn? Twelve months ago, that was the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, they beat the snot out of the New York Giants and yeah. then easily handled the San Francisco 49ers, and that's why they were a favorite in the Super Bowl, and they lost. So yeah, it isn't always dictated by what happened the last two weeks. I do this every year. 
Um, you, I look at the entire season team had. You put more emphasis on what has most recently happened. But some people, like, draw a line, and the regular season becomes irrelevant, and the only thing that matters is your two previous games. I, I, I don't do it that way. I think what you've done all season long is part of it. And that's one of the reasons why I got no problems picking San Francisco. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are a very different team than they were at the start of the season. They couldn't catch a pass the first half of the season. They figured that out. They run the ball more. They made adjustments. Yeah, I don't discount. I mean, you know, it's not like September and October don't count. But looking at this game, I'm 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 thinking the Chiefs are the better team going in. Yeah, last year the Eagles were. And, well, I don't want to relive that because – the Eagles, I mean, the Chiefs won it. Andy deserves that trophy, but God, the, the Eagles made some mistakes they didn't make all season, and that killed them. So, anyway, all right. I want to move on to something else here for a moment. We still look forward to your phone calls, but uh, we have been wondering since the end of the season what Jason Kelsey is going to do. Is he going to retire, come back one more year? This station is apparently we're having a please don't leave Jason Kelsey day you've heard those promos yes yeah so i'm i'm sure that'll weigh heavy on his mind um but i want to play a cut from you he was on chris long's green light podcast the other day uh i want you to listen to this jody mac and then interpret away here you go how are you feeling about the whole thing? And you don't know yeah. anything, do you? You're still trying to figure it out. I'll say this. I, I feel really confident that the Eagles are going to be good next year. Yeah. I still think they have great talent. I still think they have great coaches. They've added two new coaches in yeah. Kellen Moore. And, well, I don't even know. Is Kellen officially? I think he's. Yeah, I think yeah. he's there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Kellen and Vic are obviously really talented, well-respected coaches. So they're going to have a whole offseason to figure out what's stalled out, what they can do to improve it. And with not just the coaches, but all the people in that building, I really think uh, they're going to come back with a vengeance. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a tremendous year next yeah. year. Um, I, I am very confident the Eagles are going to be very, very good. So I'm trying not to let that affect what's happening because I really want the decision of whether I'm going to play to just be based on you. whether I want to do it. They Selfishly, I need to make that decision of can I commit, can I mentally be there, and do I want to like endure that again. Um, winning helps that, but I, I think that – you know, you, you're trying to not factor that in, I guess, in the decision. All right, Jody Mack, you hear that. What do you hear? A um, couple things. Number one, man, he's a smart guy. Um, he handles his business so well. He's so well-spoken. Uh, the other shoe that's going to drop is the fact that he spoke to about three different broadcast outlets about a potential job uh, if and when the decision comes down that he's not playing anymore that he's going to have a very good soft landing high profile landing spot which is not good news if you're desperate to see uh, jason kelsey rejoin the eagles this year at first when i heard it i heard it live um when he kept saying the eagles the eagles yeah. the eagles i wanted to hear we we're going to be good we've got these new quite we there was no we it was the eagles and then he explained it and said listen I'm trying to divorce myself from that because I want my decision solely to be based on am I up to the task? Am I ready for it? Can I mentally commit? Uh, commit? Can I physically commit? So that's a real healthy and smart way to handle your business. So it kind of lessened the fact that he didn't use the word we, but you still wanted we. And I was still looking for we. 
And I've been a little on the outspoken side that I thought he was coming back because everyone said after the last game, he's hugging guys and you guys are great. If I'm that, that they just took that as a door was slammed shut. I certainly didn't believe that. I thought that was just the emotions of the moment. And just in case, I don't want to look back and say, I didn't even give my guy my lot of the bro hug that he deserved. So I've been downplaying that throughout. This week did not help my position of, I think Jason Kelsey is coming back. I counted. He said they seven times and the Eagles three times. Mm. Yeah. I, I took exactly the same. I'm sure everybody takes the same. And I appreciate what he explains at the end, which is I'm trying, you know, he's kind of dispassionately, I'm trying to make this decision, not factor how good the team would be into it, which is interesting because if I was in, it would be one of the first things I would factor in. Oh, don't kid yourself. It's factoring in. Right. It will be a big part. He doesn't want it to be, but he's human and he's been playing for a decade plus in the league. He knows exactly the difference between he knows last year's Super Bowl team and this year's frustrating team. He cannot equate the two. How good the team will be and how good you think it's going to be is absolutely part of his thought process. I would. I, I mean, it would be for me. I think it would be for most people. You don't want to come back and play for a 7-10 team. You want to come back and play for a team you think has got one more chance to win. At this point, he's not chasing money. And as you said, he can go to the networks and make pretty good money. Not as much, but he's – He's set. His kids are set. He's, you know, he, he's a smart guy. He's got the thing with his brother. He's got, if you watch the documentary that they did, he's got other interests. He's going to be financially fine. So he's not playing for that. To me, the reason you would play is either you just really like it and want to do one more year with your teammates, one more go around, or, and you really think you can win. I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear any of that. And then oh. and that, so that, that uh, I'm equally, I came away with the same opinion as you did. Um, all right, I want to play one more thing for you here, and most people have probably heard this, but I thought this was really interesting. Britton Covey, who also is a really smart guy. Did you know Britton Covey's grandfather was a best-selling author? No, I never heard that. He wrote a book. The, the, I'm not going to have the name exactly right, but it was something like The Five uh, Trends of really smart, influential people or something like that. Five things that, that, that influential people have in common. He, he wrote like self-help books, okay. like best-selling ones. So Britton Covey comes from, from smarts, and he was on uh, Chase Sr., who's a Temple University guy who now does stuff for chat sports. I'm not sure what that is, but I've talked to Chase Sr. He's a smart guy. He had Britton Covey on, and the first cut I want to play you is this is Covey kind of talking about what went wrong with the Eagles this year. I definitely think we got emotionally tired from trying to figure out what the problem was. And we kept trying to pinpoint it at this and pinpoint it at this. And um, there was some miscommunication, I think, from coaches to players. There was some pointing fingers from player to player. And there was kind of letting, you know, outside voices impact our love for the game and just the happiness that we had. And all that combined to really just kind of make us spiral what do you think? Sounds like it came from a self-help book. <laughs> um, he read his grandfather's book, did he? Yeah, and he transferred it to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023. Um, the emotionally spent part of it, well, shame on the Eagles if that's the case. 
You don't think 32 other teams in the National Football League are riding that same wave? When things are good, it's great. When things go bad, you have to have answers. You have to have solutions. You have to make some changes here or there. That's That sounded kind of like excuse-making to me. All right, let me play the second half. This is the second half, him kind of going expanding on it. You want to pinpoint a spot that goes wrong, right? You want to pin, if Brian Johnson, it wasn't Brian Johnson. You know, I'm, I definitely think we needed some changes. And so, you know, we have a new coordinator. I think it's going to be good for us. Uh, Nick Sirianni wasn't, you know, it's, it's a combination, but that answer is not sufficient. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, but we should have done this. And, and so uh, I just think you need change. You need fresh eyes. Um, but we still got the pieces. Yeah. You know, we still got the pieces this year. And uh, we got 58 draft picks. It's crazy. So we're, we're going to do something. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think we overcorrected in some areas last year and undercorrected in others. I think you're being honest. Uh, and I know this kind of makes Nick Sirianni look bad, you know, trying to figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. The, 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 he says we, but clearly a lot of it is the coaching staff. I don't know. You know, why was it so hard to figure out? What couldn't they grasp? Why were they at a loss? I'm sure that the coaches and Harry Roseman probably don't appreciate Britton Covey's openness here. I kind of do. I'm curious if he ever heard from Howie. But he talks to a lot of things. He talks to the the lack of leadership among players, pointing fingers, to Nick's shortcomings, to the assistants, uh, that they needed new people, fresh eyes. Jody, we watched that car crash in slow motion, right? Mm -hmm. We just saw it week after week getting worse and worse, and and you knew – that something wasn't right. You know the guy that I'll give a lot of, in the media, I'll give a lot of credit to, Jeff McClain of the Inquirer, was doing these podcasts along the way. That He, he was kind of seeing it happen. Um, but by and large, the team couldn't fix it. And toward the end, they, they didn't bother to play. They didn't show up for that Tampa game. That was humiliation. And I think Covey, I think he kind of nailed it. He did. And uh, if you want to give Jeff McClain credit, I think you should. Um, the thing that always rang most true with me with Jeff McClain was, and I got this from others, too, and Jeff wasn't the only one. Like McMullen, my buddy on Birds 365, said the same thing. After they won to get to 10-1, and one, and they were saying it was the most depressing 10-1 and one locker room that they had ever been in in their life, you don't get into a lot of 10-1 and one locker rooms. So <laughs> there's not a, a, a ton to judge it against. That's, like, unbelievable, but, like, Nobody's smiling. Nobody's laughing. It's just like, okay, let's go get him again next week. And I think that did uh, portend of bad things to come. Yeah, I'll give Cubby credit there because he spread the wealth. It was on the coaches. The the one thing that jumped off the page for me on it, I quote, was the overreaction. That's directly at Nick. If you are of the belief that he made the decision, and I kind of sat on the fence with this one. I thought that he was influenced from above, and he signed off on it. He was played bad cop and told Desai, you got to go up and eat hot dogs during the game in the press box. Um, but when they had their postseason press conference, and he looked right in the camera and said, that was mine. I did that. I made that decision. I did it for the good of the football team, but that was all on me. He kind of sold me, and I believed it was him. That's a fireable offense. You make that decision – against what usually happens in the National Football League, and then you get the results you get, which is as bad as the Eagles' defense was, yeah. it got worse uh, under Matt Patricia. Worse. Yeah. That, that's fireable. That You pay for that with your job. 
you're going to be gutsy enough and nervy enough to do that, pull the plug on a coach who's at the time 10-3? and three? Your team is 10-3, and three and you go, yeah, you, you, you're not fired, but you're dismissed. Please go upstairs to the press box. And it doesn't work out and blows up the way that it did. You could make that. I thought that was the best argument. For those who wanted to see Sirianni out of the job, you didn't have to go any further than that. And the powers that be worked their way around it and said, we can hedge this out and we can keep Nick, but we need to change everything else. Yeah, that was that was Britton Covey calling Nick Sirianni on the carpet for what he did with mm-hmm. his defensive coaching staff. I, it will be interesting to see if Covey, I mean, we will never know, but I'm curious to see if Covey ever got uh, a phone call from a 215-463 number, which is the beginning of the Eagles number. And uh, hey, Britton, uh, let's stop talking there, buddy. You're the punt returner. I like very, his honesty. Very, very good punt returner, by the way. Very if, good. If, if he, he had a lousy year, I guarantee you that call was already made. Yeah. And he's been told, yeah, you better come in and just kill it all off season, Otherwise, you won't be able to comment. You'll have to comment on the Philadelphia Eagles from afar next December. Yeah, but I think he was. I think he kind of nailed a lot of it, and he, as you said, he spread the blame, and there was plenty of blame to be spread, and that's why today at six thirty, when we sit down and watch the game, you in a studio, me with uh, well, three other people, four other people, my wife, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and my and my beer buddy, we will not be seeing the Eagles play today. We'll be watching Andy Reid against Brock Purdy. Well, not directly, but against Shanahan. You know what I'm saying. Not the Super Bowl any of us were rooting for, but there no. you go. 215-592-9494. 11 o'clock, we'll check in with our pal Barrett Brooks, uh, who has won a Super Bowl. Talk to him about all what he thinks. Get a little sixes into the conversation coming up, but we want to hear from you. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now a 94 WIP. It is a bit of a big day in the world of sports today, and you can live bet all your favorite sports, including the big game, plus play all your favorite casino games on the Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app, the sportsbook app for the real Philly sports fans. Bet more than just the score. Man, will they have player prop bets available to you today. Uh, Same with hoops, individual player performances, points, rebounds, assists. If you're a gamer, play blackjack and more with live dealer right there on your phone. This Sunday, big game. San Fran still a two-point favorite against Kansas City. Over under 47 and a half, 48 points. Check out the player props for the big game. Plus, you can even bet on the coin toss. I'll bet you whoever wins defers, kind of like Nick Sirianni, but we'll see about that. Over-unders, scoring by quarters. Bet Parks has a great offer right now. So join if you've never played with Bet Parks before. New customers make a winning $10 bet. On the big game today or as uh, shortly after you sign up and get $125 in a bonus sports book bet back. It must be a winning bet and bonus bets must be wagered once. New users only. Terms and conditions apply. See website at betparks.com for details. You'll have to play. You play to win. You bet. Bet Parks must be 21 in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, or Ohio. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. To tie it and send it into overtime. Do they give the foul? I would. Lowry scoops it up. Lowry lets it fly. Well, Jody, that is a uh, highlight, not all that recent, I'll admit, but a highlight of Kyle Lowry, Philadelphia native, of course, Cardinal Doherty High, since you came to your high school, that's where he was, started Villanova, of course, has had a distinguished NBA career, uh, agreed to a contract buy with the Hornets the other day, all reports he will sign with the Sixers, six-time All-Star Jody McDonald, championship ring, all of those things. So he was with the Heat, and then they sent him to Charlotte, and I guess Charlotte just whatever that 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 was to buy him out. Of course, he he has ties with Nick Nurse. Uh, that championship season, twenty nineteen, right? It was pre-pandemic. Anyway, Jody Mack, here's my question: Can a thirty-eight-year-old Kyle Lowry be of any help to the Seventy Sixers? Absolutely. Ooh, I like Absolutely. this already. Absolutely. Um, love the acquisition, and again, not not official and details still to come, but uh, they'll they'll pay him a little bit more than just the veteran minimum, but he'll get most of his money on the buyout from Charlotte. So um, a lot of, and believe me when I tell you I know this because I've talked to people who would know, um, a lot is done ahead of time. There's a reason that this hit as quickly as it did, and he was able to put it out there via his agent 
this wasn't leaked to a un, from an unknown source. Oh, the agent put their name right on top of it that they got this done ahead of time. So, I, I, Glenn, I haven't been on since the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I did not love what they did at the trade deadline. Yeah, well, I want to I want to get to that certainly. But the did, Lowry thing that that you like didn't make sense to me. But I didn't know that it was going to be followed up by bringing in a Kyle Lowry. So now some of the moves that they made are more justified, more understandable, and I'm less bothered by them because you put Kyle Lowry in the mix and it doesn't cost you a thing other than salary, which you could you could afford to uh, put into the deal. By the way, the Sixers are a, a big win over the 9-43. and 43. Oh. They're terrible. God, the Wizards are bad. The Sixers with their C lineup beat the Wizards. I did not watch that game, Jody. i got to be honest with you. I did. I I watched it. It's not one I decided to invest two and a half hours in. But you you anticipated the thing I was going to ask you next, which is are the Sixers notably better, notably I want in there, than they were five days ago? Did they do anything to help their chances – and let us assume for the sake of this discussion that Joel Embiid is going to be able to come back and be Joel Embiid in the playoffs. Notably, no. Hmm. I don't even know that notably could have been achieved. Um, you can only do so much. They have some flexibility. Uh, they've got some pieces that were movable, and they moved them. Um could could they have combined them differently to get one bigger player? I think Buddy Heald's as good as anybody that moved at the trade deadline. wasn't hmm. like, oh, my God, look at them. The NBA was rearranged at the midpoint season of the year. Uh, there just weren't those type deals out no, there. No, no blockbusters. No. no, there really weren't. Um, so I think Daryl Morey did what he could. I disagreed up until the Lowry deal because I thought they got weaker defensively. And Mm -hmm. Nick Nurse is a smart coach, and he realizes that you don't win an NBA championship unless you play a modicum of defense. They were short-term more in need of offense because of Embiid being out for a month, and you want to try and play 500 basketball so that you don't fall into the play-in round. So I I, I get the motivation that Morey had, but if you're looking at the big picture, if it's all about getting past the second-round playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA championship, no, I don't know that this team is any better than the one before they started the uh, moves. And I would have said even potentially less good. But the Lowry move really does move the needle for me. Because I didn't want to see Pat Beverly traded. And they yeah. moved him. He's a good veteran guy. He brings a little edge. He plays very good defense. I thought they lost out when they moved him. But if you put Lowry in his stead... A little smaller, not as good defensively, but a better offensive player, better distributor. Um, it, it it kind of brings down the degree of what you're giving up on, on the defensive end by adding a little leadership in the backcourt. Um, so Lowry, to me, makes it about a break-even trade deadline. All moves included thereafter uh, for the 76ers at this point. So I haven't... I haven't really watched Lowry this year, but I watched him last year when he was on the Heat, and they made that run to the finals, and I thought he really contributed nicely. And one thing that he does is he still he still shoots three-pointers well. He's, what is he, averaging 39% on three-pointers. And I heard Spike Eskin the other day. This was the trade deadline day before all this went down. And he said that the six or, the 26 more teams, 26 teams shoot more threes than the 76ers. 
And in the league these days, if you're ranked 27th in three-pointers, you're probably not going to win. I mean, basically all of that is getting the ball to Embiid and him averaging 37 points a game, and you got to find something else. So Lowry can help you there. And Jody, of course, Buddy Heald, what he is, is a terrific outside shooter. He can open the floor. He can take the pressure off. So I like that. Um, I think I agree with you that it doesn't really move the needle. It doesn't. It doesn't say, "Hey, they've gone from a team that's a second round team to a team that's going to get to the finals." And I guess I agree with you that I don't know that that was possible given what they had to trade. Nor did I see any other team make that huge jump. I was kind of meh about what they did at the trade deadline. Um, I don't know if I like Lowry out of sentimental reasons. I'll trust you that he still can contribute a lot. You know, again, he's 38 years old, so in basketball years, that's about 90. Um, But but I'll enjoy watching Lowry. I mean, I loved him when when he played at Villanova. I'm still a big fan. I didn't I, – I always knew that this was a possibility. Didn't know when it was going to happen. Didn't know how quickly it was going to happen once the trade deadline came and went. So they, like I said, the groundwork for this is laid ahead of time. It's not supposed to be laid ahead of time because he's still under contract to the Carolina uh, – to the Charlotte Hornets. But believe me when I tell you it is. So Morey probably knew they had a very good chance to get him when he constructed the deals that he did. I've been one. Jaden Springer's won me over this year. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think he's ever going to be an all-star guard? Is he going to take jumps like like uh, Tyrese Maxey is taking? No, of course not. He's not that type of a player. But I think he's a, a, a usable player, a serviceable player, and again, a good defensive player. And Maury's explanation of, well, we don't think he can contribute for us for the next year or two. Well, you've been playing him this year. Nick Nurse is telling you he thinks he can contribute. It isn't like he's played three games and the rest of the year has been in the G League. No, he's gotten significant minutes for you. And usually it comes when a guy's either hurt or sick and you're kind of forced to do it. But he hadn't played badly when he has played. And to just give him up for a second-round pick, I didn't understand that a little bit. Yeah. Well, so here's your rotation now. Embiid comes back, right? So your lineup, Embiid, Maxi. Uh, Kelly Obre, Buddy Heald, your guy, Tobias Harris, Ed Lowry, uh, Melton, Covington, Reed. Am I leaving anybody out? I don't think I am. But uh, you like that lineup? Yeah. If, 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 and the guy you left out was Nicholas Batum, who I think is a bit of oh, a key yeah. guy um, because he gives you defensive flexibility. He can cover a whole bunch of guys uh, from twos through fives. Um it's good. It is what it is. It all comes down to beat. Uh, we could dance around Nicholas yeah, Batum and Kelly yeah. Oubre, yeah. what yeah. Buddy Heald brings Kelly to Oubre the Kelly Oubre is not going to decide if they win a uh, title, right? What, what is what is the big guy doing? Yeah, is he putting up 35 to 40? If that's the case, then he can play with almost anybody. If he's hampered and just not himself, or what, none of the pieces, no matter how good Nick Nurse is at making lineup changes and inserting guys at right time, no, they're not going to be good enough to beat the Celtics in the East. You know what else I think is a thing here uh, is that they need to show Joel Embiid that they are serious about winning now and next year because the time may come, and I hate to say this, when Joel Embiid just is, is done with this and says, you know what, uh, I, want to, I want to win a ring before I'm done. I want to go somewhere else. And when that happens, they're, I mean, we've seen it a million times in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He gets to go somewhere else. 
And so they have to convince him that, no, 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 this is the place you can win. I don't think that this stuff did, but at least I think it shows him that they're trying. Fair. I will give Embiid this, uh, well, not just this much credit. That sounds like I'm minimizing it, I, and I don't want to do that. Um, Embiid has not been that guy. There are a lot of guys like that in the NBA, that if they're unhappy, everybody knows about it. Yeah, well, they LeBron, get the word right out there. Uh, right. Uh, and, and LeBron hasn't even been all that bad. They're much, uh, the, the biggest, of course, one was we, we, we were graced with his presence for a year and a half, James Harden. Uh, oh, to, I thought you were going to say Ben Simmons when he when he came to practice with a cell phone in his hand. Right. He, yeah. We have had prime examples of divas and guys who dictate terms and think they run the entire league and you just want to punch a wall. Embiid has never been that guy. Could he turn into that guy? On, on a dime he could. But he has never been. So I'm holding out hope that that's not the case, that if they – get picked off in the first round of the playoffs this year that Joel isn't dropping hints during the offseason that may, maybe it's time for a change. I I pray that that's not the case. Well spoken. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we plan to talk to Barrett Brooks, former Eagles offensive tackle, off uh, Super Bowl winner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, of course, now analyst for NBC Sports Philadelphia. We'll get your calls in as well. And, Jody, before the show is over, I want to have a um, chicken wing debate with you. Chicken wing debate? Yeah, I saw somebody posted something. Don't, don't play your hand yet if you won't, but somebody posted the argument between flats and drums. And I want to, okay. see, where you, I want to see where you weigh in on that. And I will tell you, there's a colleague of ours who, when he orders chicken wings, orders them all one way. Which I didn't really? You could, yes. Yep. Somebody you and I know very well. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Hurts takes the snap. It's a quarterback keeper. He runs up the middle. He scores. He scores. Big time play right there, Jalen Hurts. And the blocking was exactly what he needs. No hesitation. The ball is snapped. They create that lane off the right side. And Jalen Hurts sticks his foot in the ground, gets to the end zone. Yeah, well, things were so good at that time. That that was back, uh, let me get the date, November 20th, right before Thanksgiving when the Eagles beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Three comeback wins in a row for the Eagles, beat the Bills next week. It all fell apart after that. Uh, Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now, delighted to be joined by our pal Barrett Brooks, who, of course, uh, analyzes Eagles and other football and NBC Sports Philadelphia. Happy Super Bowl Day, Barrett. Absolutely, absolutely. I can't believe it's the Super Bowl and we are at – no, I can't believe that. I know. I was just about to... <laughs> All right, so so two questions to start because I, I want to go back there and then we'll take it wherever you, Jody, want to take it. But the Eagles beat the Chiefs back then, and then as we know, I think it was what – what did you say, Jody, 13, 13 days, days later? later. Monday, 13 days Monday later. 13 days later, the Eagles – to Sunday, 13 days after. Got destroyed by San Francisco. So to the best of your memory, Barrett, and most of us have tried to forget all of this season. How did the Eagles beat the Chiefs, and then how and why did they get crushed by the Niners? You know what? Um, I think it's more so the Niners came in with the game plan, all right, we are tougher than they are. And they saw it on film. I, I think we lost this. Everybody used to think of the Eagles as, you know, this this this, this juggernaut's going to come in and beat you up, you know, because remember the last game? They played against the 49ers. 
They beat up on that team. We had an attitude. We had a chip on our shoulder going into that game. Now, how are you going to say this team is better than us? Look at our record. We're a physical team. I think they lost that physicalness uh, this year. You know, they were so involved and so so tied into, all right, we're going to make sure our guys are healthy. So they didn't practice as hard as they should practice. Mm. And I know that, you know, collective bargain agreement has that you can't go past and stuff like that. But you can still practice with, with, with intensity. You can still practice with a lot of, you know, an angst to know you've got to get something done. Well, I, they lost that. And, and, you know, just like what Hargrave said, they practice harder with the 49ers. And they do the same thing the Eagles do. But, they, you know, when they're practice, there's intent to practice hard. And I think they've lost that. You know, they're worried about health more so than the physicality of being in the NFL. And once everybody saw this game plan that you could hit them in the mouth and then I hit you back, everybody went in and they just wasn't scared of the Eagles anymore. And, that, and, that, and that's basically what it was. All right, I want to just play one cut here. This is Lane Johnson this past week when he, he did the radio road tour out there. Uh, actually, no, he was on the Dan Patrick show. And this is him talking about that Niners game and what happened. Explain to me what happened the last, whatever, six, eight weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as film piles up, and I feel like really after the 49ers game where, you know, it's kind of them dismantling us, I felt like teams kind of piggybacked off that. So I don't know if it was something we were doing with our scheme-wise. Maybe the teams were on to what we were running. Um, but it was a lot more difficult than what it needed to be um, because you've seen – what the offense has been, and then you see that stretch, and it's, you know, what's going on. Yeah, your thoughts? Uh, that's exactly what I just got through saying. You know, yeah. we just weren't physical enough to go out there and compete at the level. You know, I, and I get it when people say, all right, they, they're, they're predictable. But let me tell you this. I won a Super Bowl with the Steelers, and we had five running plays, five passing plays. We ran them out of different formations, different personnel packages, whether it's the same exact five plays. We just were so tough that we were like, all right, we're going to run right here, and you're not going to stop us. And if you have that type of attitude like the 49ers do, then they can't stop you. And that means that you're not going to hear the, you know, the, you know, anything else, but we got out physical. You know, you can run plays. You can design things that, you know, that, you know get defenses um, out of sorts. You know, you can do all that stuff. But the main thing this team lacked was the physical nature that you need to go out there and pose your will on your opponent. And I think that's the biggest thing. They, and, and, and you heard, you know, toward the, toward the end where, you know, the head coach said, Nick Serrano said it, well, you know, maybe we need to be more physical, have a more physical camp. Maybe we need to play guys. And you look at the two teams right now that are playing in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid had his starting quarterback, the, the best quarterback in the NFL, playing in preseason games. So it all stems off that. And once that ball starts rolling – you can't come back from it because now people aren't scared of you anymore, and now they're just going to go over there and put their hands on you. You can do nothing about it. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, we had athletes on our team. Our offense, we got, you know, two great receivers, a great tight end, a great offensive line, you know, and I thought we had a great quarterback. He used to get back to being that great quarterback, using those intangibles that we used to talk about, and, 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 and get back to playing football. We just didn't do it this year. All right, uh, let's continue down that road. I'm going to give you a hypothetical, and it, I think it more fits the defense and the offense, but you can use it on either side of the ball. Vic Fangio's the new defense coordinator. He's old school. He's going to come in. If they want to be more intense in practice, play harder, hit harder, more. Well, you can only go in pads so many times because it's all collectively bargains, but they, they're going to take it to the limit. And they're going to try and correct what Barrett Brooks said was a major wrong this year. He can do it as a new defensive coordinator, an old school guy. 
there will be pushback. There will be guys on the defense that are, hey, we didn't work like this last year. What are you making us do this for? I'm not a – who's the player who's going to take Vic Fangio's back and go, come on, we got to go to work. Shut up. We got to do the – we got to put the time. We got to put the effort in. Yeah, you were here last year. You know we didn't get the job done. We're changing and we're changing for harder working. Who's going to be that player that's going to help get Fangio's message across? You know, I really think it's going to be guys like Hassan Reddick. You know, didn't think of him as being one of those pillar players, but he's going to have to be a, a pillar player for us. Guys like Lane Johnson, who's going to go out there and be physical. He wants to go out there and play that type of game. Um, hopefully we have a guy like Jason Kelsey back, but if we don't, you know, guys like Jordan Malata got to step up and be a voice and a leader in the team. Um, um, Reed Blankenship has become that guy now. This is year three. You're going into year three. He has become one of those guys who'd be like, look, we got to play it. And he's the perfect example of what you need. He's not that fast, but he's smart, and he, he knows where he needs to be, and that's why he, he's made himself a starter and a good player in this league. The big thing with Vic Fangio, and I'm looking forward to seeing him, is his ability to teach the game. He has to make sure this defense knows where to be and how to get there. And that's what they liked last year. I would see times when I'm breaking down film and see three guys in one gap. Why am I seeing a linebacker, a safety, and a defensive tackle in the same gap? That's just the lack of knowledge on what to do and how to do it. They need, to, they need that, that understanding. So I think that Fangio, that's exactly what he is. That's what he does. That's what makes him a good coach. We no longer have the young Padawans there. We have the guy there now. This is his defense. So I'm no looking like, forward to seeing that. No longer have what there? Uh, we, 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 the Padawan. Padawans are, are, are the students. You know oh. what I mean? This is Star Wars, man. Star Wars. That's a new Star one to me. Wars. I'm not a Star Wars guy. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. <laughs> You know, you know, it, the force has to be with us next year. And he I got you. <laughs> well said. All right, He's doubling fair. down on Star Wars, Glenn. I'm not. I'm not. Are you a Star Wars guy, Jody? Not really. Okay, but I, I love it. Went, love, went, I went, know. Went, listen, went, went right over my head. I was yeah, just yeah, buying yeah. it. It was sounded good. I believed them. We're talking to Barrett <laughs> Brooks. You can follow him at bbrooks72 NBCS on Twitter. So you talked about Vic Fangio. Marcus Hayes wrote an interesting piece in the Inquirer this week that said Nick Sirianni's survival really is probably is in the hands of Nick Fangio and uh, Kellen Moore and how well they do. One thing that's different, and you, you kind of alluded to it with the, what was the word? Pot, pot, what was the word you used? Padawan. Padawan, Padawan yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I'm slow <laughs> on the uptake. Is that this is different in that these aren't Nick's guys. Nick hasn't worked with these guys before. You know, I don't really know how well he knows them. How do you feel about the Fangio, but, but also Kellen Moore in terms of, outside voices as opposed to the usual, this guy comes from my own tree? You know, um, basically on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be totally different. You know, they, they need new scheming. You know, they're going to need a new voice. You know, they said it got still. Well, we're going to see, you know, how they go forward. What I can say is more is, is, is understanding enough that he can go out there and really use the weapons that he has. It's not like he's coming into a bare cupboard. He's coming into a, a full cupboard. You know, this, 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 you know, he has everything he needs to make a great offense, everything, the quarterback, receivers, everything. So I think it'll be an easier job for him to come in and really get him on. They just got to learn, all right, we're going to motion here, uh, this guy. You know, because you can scheme guys, you know, just as well as anything. You know, Smitty, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's elite-level um, route runner. Now you put him in a position where you can't get a defensive um, 
a cornerback or, or anybody to come up and, and get their hands on him. Now you have him coming in motion and you outflank him with his motion. Now he's really going to be running free. So you can scheme those type of things. You know, you can scheme, you know, Jalen Hurts to, all right, this is a blitz pickup here. You can do all that stuff, so they'll be fine. The reason I talk so much about the defensive side of the ball is you can't play explosive if you don't know what you're doing. And that's why they were always a step behind because they didn't know what to do. If you're thinking, you're already two steps behind because the offense knows where they're going. So as a defender, you've got to be so instinctual that it has to be secondhand. And he think, I think he's going to coach those guys to be explosive like that. They're going to know what to do. Now they just go out there and read and react. And that makes it so much easier for a defensive guy to go out there and play at a high level. They just didn't know what to do, so that's why they look like the Keystone Cops out there running around. I mean, I see guys running into each other, too many guys in the same gap. Uh, you know, you have a safety that's not really a fast safety looking in the backfield. Well, no, you can't look in the backfield. you got to understand what's going on in front of you and get back where you're supposed to be at if you lack those type of skills. You know, so you can't have a guy that's running a 4-3 out there and think that you can look in the backfield and cover him. So I think that's what Vic Fangio is going to do. He's going to make sure those guys know what to do and how to do it. And once you do that, I think you'll have a more explosive. As far as personnel, they have the personnel to run that defense. It's going to be a 3-4 defense, not a 4-3 like we've seen. It's going to be a 3-4 defense, and he has those guys to do it. He has Jordan Davis at the middle right there over the center. You know, both he and Tui Tui Pelopu, those guys can do that. Then you have on the outside, on the the ends, that will line up head over the tackles. you got guys like Jalen Carter on one side, Williams on the other side, and hopefully Fletcher comes back. But then we also have those linebacker-esque type of players like Nolan Smith, Hassan Reddick, who can play on the outside. What we do lack is the inside linebackers. Now, those two have to be bosses. Those two have to be good. And Fangio had great guys there. He had Ray Lewis there. Uh, you know, he had guys that were, you know, great. Is, you know, is he available? <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> but he had guys like Navarro Bowman, you know, guys that played in that 49er defense that, that were great. I mean, great with Patrick Willis. Those guys were great players, and you have to have those great players. So hopefully him and Howie get along well enough that he goes in and he has to spend some draft capital on the linebacker position. He's got to get guys that can play right now, unless they go out and get Patrick Queen from, from, from Baltimore, you know, guys like that. But at this point, you've got to make sure that you get guys that are reliable in the middle of that defense and also a safety that you have to spend some draft capital on. All right, Barrett, I have not discussed this with you uh, here, there, or anywhere else. And I've discussed it with a lot of people, Glenn included. And I seem to be a lone wolf with this, which I'm perfectly fine with. The more I uh, find out I'm the only guy who's thinking this, the more I believe I'm right. Um, Right. I think a big problem with the Philadelphia Eagles this year was Brian Johnson, on two separate occasions in the last third of the season, on his Tuesday coordinator day media session, when questioned on the Eagles don't run the ball enough, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, said, you realize that every time we go to the line of scrimmage, we got two plays called. One's a pass, one's a run. And then we determine what is best suited against the kind of defense that they're sitting in. That means Jalen Hurts was the offensive coordinator of his team. That he was the guy making the call as they came to the line of scrimmage. On every RPO, it's his call. He decides whether to keep it or throw it or run it. But even on all the other plays, Jalen decided run or pass. It sounded like to me at least Brian Johnson was saying that, if not throwing him under the bus by saying that, that this was all about Jalen this year. And guess what? He wasn't that good at deciding. And I think it's kind of defeatist to begin with anyway. You just said your Pittsburgh offense, five running plays, five passing plays, different formation. Like, But you dictated terms. You said we're going to out 
maneuver you. We're going to outperform you. We're not going to let you determine for us what we're going to run. We're going to determine. We're going to just out-execute you. The Philadelphia Eagles did not do that this year. Who's to blame for that? If my assumption is correct, who gets to blame for that? I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and I can't believe it, but yes, Jody, I'm saying it's a lot, it has a lot to do with Jalen Hurts and his ability to go out there and, and, and play the game that his skill set dictates. Play the game that got him paid, and that means using the intangibles. He wasn't explosive. You were able to blitz Jalen Hurts, number one, because they knew where he was going to be at. You couldn't blitz him last year because his ability to go out and run and be outside the pocket. So, I mean, because of that, and he wasn't going to run and abandoning, um, you know, the second or third reads by running out of the pocket all the time, it just made it easy for defenses to game plan him. So, yes, I'm going to say there's a lot of that responsibility on, on Jalen. You, know, you know, your coordinators give you the play, and then you have to go out there and execute it as a player. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. On the offensive side of the ball, Jalen has those responsibilities, and he was great at it the year before they went when they went to the Super Bowl. This right. year, he lacked that substance in doing it. So I'm, I, I put a lot of that on Jalen. You know, and he has big enough shoulders, I think, to go out there and, and, and change that. I believe this offseason, you'll see a more quicker and explosive Jalen Hurts. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying his, his shoulders are big enough that he can hold that and 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 really carry that into this offseason and get better, and this team will be better because of it. Before we run out of time, two quick things because we got to we got to shove off. A, who do you like tonight? And B, you were on a Super Bowl team. You you got a ring, 2004 Pittsburgh Steelers. Take us back. What do you remember about the moment? I just remember going out there and and really, you know, it it wasn't until I walked down the um down into the stadium. And I was standing next to my, my kicker, Jeff Reed, and he looked at me and he said, hey, he's the call. I don't know why he used to call me. He said, hey, pause, watch this. I'm about to kick this ball, man, and watch all these lights come up. And I'm like, you know what? It's about to go down. I see Aretha Franklin. I see Kid Rock. I see Snoop. I see all these people in the stands. I'm like, man, I'm about to play in the Super Bowl. And that's when it really went down that I am about to play in the Super Bowl. That was the biggest thing with me, that, yes, I'm playing in the Super Bowl. My last season in the NFL, I'm playing in the Super Bowl. And who do you and then, like um, I, You know, I like Kansas City. I'm tired of betting against Andy Reid, and he's winning, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Andy Reid is just that. He's the best coach in the NFL right now, and then he has the best player in Patrick Mahomes in the, in, um, in the NFL right now. So it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be hard to beat those two together. All right. Barrett, a pleasure, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Yep. Right, Thanks, B. There you go. Good guy. Smart guy. Good dude. Yeah. I like what he said about the Super Bowl. You know, you're there, and it's like all of a sudden the kickoff, the opening kickoff, and there's a million flashes and lights, and it's like, oh, yeah, here we are. Uh, 215-592-9494. Drew, hang in. We promise we'll talk to you as soon as we get back, and I am going to engage Jody in a very, very important Super Bowl debate. Clue, it involves food. Not okay. a surprise. I'm in. All right. Jody McDonald's Glenn Mack. Twist my arm to talk about food. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it took us an hour and 22 minutes. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Hey, if this winter hasn't convinced you yet to replace your drafty, inefficient windows and doors, well, maybe the good people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you one more month to do so at their best prices of the year. If you have not taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale, this is your last chance to do so and get 40% off every window and door you buy. Yes, 40% off every expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window 
which also includes free high performance low e glass and 40% off any high quality store any quality door excuse me including insulated entry doors sliding patio doors garage doors and storm doors i got my storm door at guida i love it and you can buy now and pay later with guida's interest free financing or low monthly payment plans offer will expire at the end of this month february so don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by if your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Ooh, Benny and the Jets. Justin Morganstein, you picked that one by yourself there, did you? It's all me. That's good work by you. A little old school, nicely done. Anyway, he's Jody McDonald. That's Justin Morganstein, our producer, picking some fine music. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Extra bonus hour today. We are on till 2 o'clock. Of course, Super Bowl, I don't know, the, the pre-programming probably already started. Kickoff at 6.30 tonight. Chiefs against the 49ers. We're going to do some prop bets. Let's get Drew in Westchester. Wants to talk some Sixers. Hello, Drew. Hey, guys. Um, happy Super hey, Bowl Sunday. Thank you. Um, you. Yeah, so uh, the Sixers, you know, I love the Sixers. I love Embiid. Obviously, he's a generational talent. I don't agree with people who say, oh, we should trade Embiid, you know. Um, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. But, uh, you know, he himself has to show that he's committed to winning, not in terms of his offensive production, which you can't question, but just look at that play where he got hurt in Golden State. That play was one that has to be eliminated from the offense where we hand the ball to Embiid coming across half court and he proceeds to think he's Michael Jordan and start dribbling around. He he got hurt because he lost control of the ball and then went chasing after it. Um, just bad luck, yeah, but, you know, that just can't be part of the offense. I'm sick of seeing it. He had eight turnovers that game, and that's just got to be eliminated. Don't disagree. Um, and I think Nick Nurse has uh, followed right and duck. River's footsteps in that he's enabling Joel. Joel thinks he's a guard from time to time, and the time is too often as far as you and I are concerned. Uh, no, get it in the guard's hands. Get down. And, and Joel's a perimeter player. He's good enough to do that. I'm not saying get your, your, your big butt down to the low blocks and try and play like Will Chamberlain, but I don't need to see Joel Embiid bring the ball up the floor. I think you're 100% right. Yeah, and, and, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him some credit because this season there has been several games where he has played correctly, I'll say. Like that game that he had 70, he had one turnover. He handled the ball a ton of times and had one – I think he had one turnover at the end of that game. And, and I, I love Nick Nurse. I'm glad we have him. He's a big upgraded coach. But, you know, somehow, some way, you know, Embiid has to play, has to play like that, not get 70, but he has to play that way. Every night on offense, not not just half the time or two-thirds of the time or whatever. So until that happens, you know, this team is not going anywhere. And defensively, it's pretty much a horror show to me, it seems. This team shows me no sign that it can turn up the heat defensively when needed. And uh, in the playoffs, you're going to need to do that. And mm-hmm. not that Jaden Springer's a big piece, but losing him doesn't help the defensive effort. And, uh, and, and, and losing Beverly, which was a fine trade to me. I think the healed and – campaign bringing that shooting in for without giving up much was fine i'm fine with that yeah but what you gave up was defense you're right pat bev's a better defender and springer's a better defender um they did they 
they traded defense for offense. We'll see if it plays out. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you, and I and I and I agree with this. All right, Jody, it's it's time for you and I. Well, I don't know. We actually may agree on this, so I shouldn't set it up. It's a debate because we may be on the same side on this. Uh, more chicken wings will be eaten tonight than any night of the year. Of course, it is the ultimate Super Bowl snack. As you know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, yeah. so I was eating chicken wings like when I was eight, nine years old, and it was just like a thing. They didn't become popular nationwide until, I don't know, much later than that, but now they are all that. And so here's the question. What is better, the drummies or the flats, which, of course, the two parts of the chicken wing, unless you like the toes, which I don't think anybody eats those. Um, but the flats are, of course, the part with the two bones in them, a little bit darker meat. The drummies look like little drumsticks, and they got more white meat, and they got warm, more meat. Jody, what's your preference? I will once again uh, no, you probably no. disappoint you. No. And tell you that I, I like both. Um, well, I like both, too. If, if you've got to take one over the other, here's how I would state it. Give me the one that's got more meat on it. Mm. And just in general, drumsticks have more meat than, than the actual wings. Yeah. I like the taste of the wings better than the drumsticks. But I'm motivated by where am I getting the most meat. That 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 kind of you got more surface out. area there, do you? Exactly, <laughs> and uh, therefore a perfect. Let's say you uh, get a ten wing order. Yeah, a perfect order for me would be six wings and four drumsticks. If you could dictate, yeah, terms. yeah, okay, good. If you could come up with a specific number you order, I want ten wings, six wings, four drumsticks. Yeah. That would be the perfect one for me. But then I'd get picky about, oh, yeah, but this is a cheesy drumstick, so uh, let me give this one back. No, I'm pretty particular when it comes to my chicken wings. Uh, but just in general, my, my favorite in general statement is, give me the one that's got the most meat on it. Okay, so, I mean, the way I should have posed the question is, you and I get an order of ten wings, and there's two left, one drum and one flat. And I say, yeah, go ahead, Jody, you take one, I'll take the other. You would prefer the drum. I would prefer the one with more meat. Yeah, well, which is typically the drum. If it is, yes, then I'm probably yeah. going to have the drum. I go the other way, of course. Uh, I definitely go with, with the flat. I think that the problem with the drums is they can sometimes get dry. I think the flats have more flavor. They're, they're more work, right, because you got to yep. work your way around between the two bones and stuff. I remember in Wing Bowl that was always a big issue, how many flats versus drums. But I like the flats. I think the flats definitely taste better. Uh, the meat is just, it, it's better meat, and it's its a better wing. I told you that I, that one of our colleagues, I'm going to see if you can, I'm going to give you three guesses. One of our colleagues, one time, I did a show with him at Chickies and Pete's, and he placed an order, and he said, I'll have a dozen wings, all flats, which, by the way, I didn't even know you could do. Neither did I. Well, Chickie and Pete's will... Uh, specifically set your order as you request? They did for That's him. That's pretty that, – well, yeah. Yeah, I know. We may be doing it. some like Pete Chiraki right now is rolling in his oh, eyes. Wait a minute. <laughs> Mac, now shut the hell up. <laughs> they um, did for this WIP host when he requested 10 wings, all flats. You get three guesses. All right. Um, 
Morgani's uh, obnoxious enough to do something like that. <laughs> so he would be my first guess. It's a good guess. Incorrect. Not correct? Damn <laughs> no, it. but it makes sense. Um, Currently at the station. Is I've it with really? Okay. There. So I was going to say. Active athlete in effect. Non <laughs> Thank you. Uh, non obnoxious enough would be Ike. Is it? Is it Ike? Not Ike. Yeah, see, I didn't think it was Ike. That's One a more guess. guess on my part. Um, you hosted a show to me still at the station. Wasn't me. Um, <laughs> no. no, I didn't permanently host the show. No. But I uh, did it on this day. You're, you're filling he might have been filling somebody. in for Ray. He might have been. Okay. Um, I don't know. You got me. You stumped me, Glenn. Rob Ellis. Really? Yeah. See, and he's not obnoxious enough either to go there. He just, I guess, a little particular. I would never guess Rob. Would never would have gotten that. We're sitting at Chickies and Pete's. You know, it's like, would you guys like something? Rob says, yes, I'd like an order of wings all flats. And I will tell you, the waitress didn't bat an eye. Just really? Yeah. Okay. Right. I never heard of it before. He did something else that nobody I ever knew did, which is one day he and I had to do a show down in um, Atlantic City, and he drove, and he had to stop for gas, and he tipped the gas attendant. Really? Yes. It's like, here's $40 for gas, and here's 5 for you, my good man, which I thought was really nice. I didn't know that I was I think he was just showing off for Glenn Mack. You think? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he tried to impress you. Yeah, he did that. And now, thought, here's here's the one thing I'll say in Rob's defense, because you know I'm a Jersey guy. Um, you Pensy guys got to get out and pump your own gas. Correct. I haven't pumped my own gas in decades, not yeah. years decades wow because i always get my gas here in jersey because a it's less expensive and b yeah i don't have to do any work so why the hell would i ever get unless i'm like the the the, the idiot lights going off on my dashboard why the hell would i ever get uh gas in pennsylvania so i haven't done it in forever so maybe rob just thought hey i'm saving money anyway because i'm getting gas in jersey he's a pensy guy in springfield yeah guy, just right? uh, let me throw this guy <laughs> a fiver i don't know but but getting back to the wings you're a drummies guy. I'm a flats guy. I put this on Twitter oh, 30 minutes ago. Uh, the question I put on Twitter, a critical Super Bowl day debate on chicken wings, which is superior, flats or drummies? We have 508, 580 votes already. Listen to this, Jody. Flats, 50.2%. Drummies, 498 Ooh, man, it's, that's it's close. It's a dead heat. Wow. And let me add to the discussion. Um, this is, I'm sure you and I discussed this sometime because it's been around forever, going back to the 90s. The old double dipping, that you can't double dip with a chip. Yeah. That if you get some yeah. uh, whatever, so George walk, whatever. Yeah, the Costanza thing. That's one of the reasons why I do, uh, in, in a way, prefer flats. Because you just dip one side. Uh, ah. you, you double dip both. You, you do it and you turn it over and you do it, boom, you're done. With a wing, you really got to dip twice because mm. you can't. It gets real messy when you try and turn it over. and like Just for dipping purposes, and by the way, I'm a ranch over blue cheese guy. Again, you should not be surprised. Yeah, I can do either one. Yeah, I do neither, by the way. 
You do neither? Okay, no, yeah, I, I, I'm a dip guy. I don't guy. put anything on my I just like wings the way they are. Definitely like uh, additives. No. And I can go either ranch or blue cheese, but if I've got a preference, it's ranch. Yeah, that's one of the positives of the flats. You can just do the one dip. You dip both sides, boom, you're done. Yeah, but you can't. You you, you were a drummies guy. you got to stick with your side. All right. They would All be right. true to your school. So you take the drummies. I take the flats. And, by the way, do we agree boneless wings are not wings? Boneless wings. What are they, Justin? They are adult chicken nuggets. There they go. They are. Yeah. And you want to know something? I never had them till recently. Yeah. And they're good, mm. but they're just not wings. They're not wings. They're not. They are what they lot. are. They are. Yeah, I, I like the term adult chicken uh, uh, nuggets. Yeah. That doesn't make them bad, but they're just not wings. So we will we will continue this debate of flats versus drummies. Let's get Don in South Philly before the break. Hey, Don. Guys, last year was so much better. <laughs> you think? You know, I woke up today and my memories popped up of, you know, the greasing of the poles. And I woke up and I'm just like, ugh. We were, we like, were really? so on a high at that point um, and so confident, too, up until Dude, the kinda, third quarter. I, I mean, I'm a, season, I'm a season ticket holder with my buddies, man. At 10 and 1, even though we knew the team wasn't 10 and 1, there was hope. Anyway, I, you know, I'm just getting in a worse mood just thinking about it. <laughs> you know what? I'm with you. Like we're gonna watch it because you watch it, but I'm, I'm not looking forward to the Super Bowl tonight. No, I'm not. I, I want to see San Francisco lose. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And you know, I got massive love for Andy, um, but I mean, I mean. My hatred of the San Francisco 49ers are really what's keeping me involved in this game. <laughs> Good I mean, negative really energy. Is. Yeah, well, I, you know, energy's energy. Yep. We got to go to the break, but I need to hey, vote. Quick, real quick. Yeah. Wing, the flats. I'll tell you why. I used to be a drum guy, but I'm a flat guy. Nothing like taking a wing, dipping it in the blue cheese, getting that whole thing covered. You stick the whole thing in your mouth, and you suck it all out. You pull it off the, the bones. There you go. There. That's that's. I, I hear. Even though I don't, I, again, I don't do the ranch dressing or the, any of that but i do you can eat them like that and it's good so and, we'll, and we'll oh by the way there. for the yep. 49er hate i got bad news the guy who's probably been more at the heart of saying annoying things mm-hmm. talking trash call it whatever you want debo samuel i think he's gonna have a big game tonight oh yeah he could be he's a good bet for mvp well yeah. it's a quarterback but he's he's Top five MVP candidate. I have him scoring not one but two touchdowns tonight. One through the air, one on the ground, 20 to 1. Debo gets two touchdowns, one of each. One if I air, two if I see. Yep. Mm. Well, you know who the guys annoy me the most? Bosa. He says a lot. I, was, we got we got to go to break. But and I'll he just, said it matter-of-factly, like, oh, we solved the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. Yeah, and, and, and he's, he's whining about everyone he, else. Yesterday he's whining about the fire alarm being pulled and, he, and, and the, the practice field. They, they, they complain about everything. They do have a little bit of a whiner mentality, but I don't think it's going to hurt him in today's game. All right. Well, we'll continue this conversation. We'll take your calls, 215-592-9494. Hold on. I'm just going to check the poll before we go, the all-important Super Bowl poll. 729 votes. Drummies now lead 50.8% to 49.2%. Man, get out early. Right down the middle. Yeah, well, the absentee ballots could decide this one. (laughs) Military (laughs) vote comes in late. (laughs) See how that works. 
Uh, that's on my Twitter page, by the way, at Real Glenn Mac. Now, Jody, where are you on Twitter? That would be at Jody Macman, J O D Y M A C M A N. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four on ninety four WIP. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now. Super Bowl Sunday, 94 WIP. Got a couple of calls in here. Ed in Phoenixville. On with Jody and Glenn. Hi, Ed. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. You know, I, to be perfectly honest, since the uh, Phillies bowed out of the NLCS, I've just been so tired and browbeaten as a fan. Like, the last part of the Eagles season has been kind of a blur, and now I'm just sort of left with what do, what it's just sort of a weird helpless feeling but thank goodness for FanDuel because I have some prop bets and that'll keep me engaged but it's just a it's, it's odd compared to last year it is I mean it is it is a real letdown after last year and after the way they started just the way it ended and to see two teams that let's be honest not many people in Philadelphia were rooting, were rooting for either of these teams in the playoffs. So, yeah, you watch because it's the Super Bowl, and as you said, you got some prop bets going. And you know, what, what's your bet? What's your favorite prop bet? Well, I got a four. I got a uh, the four legger of the over, which seemed really low to me, forty-seven and a half. And I got Christian McCaffrey, Debo, and uh, Kelsey with anytime touchdowns. Ooh, I so, think a good score with that. I um, it, I'm not a high stakes guy. It's five dollars to win forty, but I'm good with that. So. Good for you. Yeah, I hope you hit. Um, it. I'm certainly that, with you on the over. Yeah, and I have some of my favorite Nishamni Creek Shape of Pops to come, ready to go. And there you uh, go. That's good beer. I like that. Gotta beer. have a good. Love that beer. But uh, one thing before I let you go, um, I love the flats. I'm a flats guy. But what really irritates me is when I'm at, you know. Uh, chickies and peats or wherever and I see somebody order flats and they just take a bite out of the middle and then put it down like you're not done yet finish the win like it just 
kind of annoys me. I don't know if that's weird, but uh, you know. Uh, no, that's not weird. You, you, you don't waste. I'm with you. It's a good point. Flats are more work. If you're not, if you're not working to get the meat on a flat, why the hell are you getting it? That's a good point. It makes no sense whatsoever. I I agree. Jerry in Southampton is with us. Hi, Jerry. Hey, hey guys, how you doing? Jerry, how you doing? Oh, very good, Jerry. Good. Uh, No one, uh, no one. uh, counted more wings than I have over the seventeen. Jerry years, was you know? a judge, <laughs> a commissioner, judge of wing bowl for many years. Just, correct? Just said, just a judge. Everybody else was a commissioner, but I, I was, I was counting. So, wow! If you if you think about all those years, it had to be in the thousands that you counted. Amazing, amazing. So, <laughs> but uh, I do miss it, believe it or not. But um, yeah, not me so much. <laughs> I know, I know. Especially when that when that beer can whizzed by your head. Uh, I, yeah, I and, and Ray that. missed Ray by about two inches, and it was Ray's first and only visit to Wing Bowl. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm I'm a flat guy. I wanted to throw that in. I'm uh, their flats are really really good, easy to eat. Uh, they used to go through those like butter, you know, at Wing Bowl. So tastes better. Yep, the flat. So, and uh, my prediction today, Chiefs. Chiefs by ten. You're you're not a level by ten is pretty substantial, but um, it has surprised me that as many media members are picking the Chiefs, a very high percentage. Yet John Q. Public, and that's millions of dollars worth of John Q. Public money, has not moved this off at two point four. Well, this this, this guy can't bet, but uh, but uh, you know that's I just like the Chiefs. He's I'm still not, are you still Thanks. laughing? Yes, yes, yes. What are you doing these days? Uh, well, uh, I just basically uh, I just retired um, last Tuesday from my uh, 48 seasons, Glenn, wow. uh, of basketball, uh, 48 Correct. varsity seasons of basketball. Nice. And my family came. I was at Upper Dublin. Uh, and in fact, I even refereed with Jody when he first came to the station down at the down at the Sixers game uh, beforehand. Um, that's a long time ago, but, but, um, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then I'm still doing softball, high school softball mm-hmm. and volleyball. And I'm doing my, my replay stuff. You know what? You're, you're, you're a man in stripes and, and, and always, uh, and a great friend and 48 years decided to hang up the basketball whistle. Congrats, man. I'm sure it was just Thanks. a great career. Thank you very much. All right. You got Thank it. you. One of my favorite guys over the years, uh, Jerry, Jody. It's one of the things I got away from in my life, and I feel badly that I did. I truly enjoyed refereeing when I was in college, and shortly thereafter, um, just life got too busy, and I just couldn't find time for it. But always enjoyed doing it, and it it keeps you in the game, Mac. When your playing days are over, but you love the game, you want to stay attached to it in some way, and refereeing is a damn good outlet. Not trying to jump the gun on you at all, but uh, retirement plan for Jody Mack someday? From what? I've already retired from refereeing. I can't. No, afford you to retire. retire from anything eventually, else. you retire from radio. You get back into it. Seventy-five-year-old Jody running up and down the court. Um, maybe with the seven and eight-year-old girls, that'll yeah, be the extent go. of it. I can probably keep up with them. But baseball, uh, you can do baseball. That. I've had less knee operations than you, so maybe I can pull that one. And yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trailing by 10 since I've never had a <laughs> well, knee operation. 
be smart. Keep it that way. Yeah. All right. Let's get Andy in Huntington Valley. Hi, Andy. Hey, guys. How you doing? All right. Good. You know, I was reading Marcus Hayes' column about our new coordinators and his thoughts that they didn't do anything for the last teams they were with. How are they going to help us? And I kind of agree. I mean, I'm kind of nonplussed. Sirianni is definitely a lame duck. He's a marionette um, of the executive team. And I, I don't know. If you got rid of the two coordinators and he's still there and the question during the press conference is, all right, so what's your job? And he's head coach. Why not just clean house and start over? I just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's the guy. He just, he's a puppet. And I don't know that these two guys are going to make any difference. But who knows? Well, uh, uh, talk to you in 2026 because it's going to be that way next year. Um, if you're already giving up on it and not giving it a chance, I think you're looking forward to an uneventful and unfulfilling Eagle season. Uh, Glenn, I know I said it with you before you and I have discussed this. They're trying to thread a needle, and it's a pretty fine line that they're trying to thread. But I'm willing to give it a shot. I think the players, I never bought into the, oh, they all quit on Sirianni stuff. I didn't. I just didn't buy that. I don't believe that. So I think he's still got the respect of the majority of the players. And if he handles it well, if he, he carves out this niche of a role that he can have, I think it could work. And I think they absolutely upgraded at both coordinator positions. Do I think that Kellen Moore is a better offensive coordinator than Brian Johnson? I sure as hell do. Do I think Nick, uh, Vic Fangio is a better defensive coordinator than Sean Desai and or, hold on while I laugh, Matt Patricia? Oh, I definitely do. So how, how do you look down on it? How do you go, yeah, they didn't help themselves at all? I absolutely believe they did. I agree with you on the uh, part that these coordinators are better than what they had, and he's, uh, certainly Fangio is, is time-tested. I'm a little nervous that offenses have caught on to his defense and hope that he's uh, still able to adjust, stay one step ahead. Kellen Moore, I think, is a smart guy, and I like the fact that they're bringing in a guy who's got some different offensive ideas to change this thing. As far as, you know, did they quit on him? And I know that's one of the worst things you can say is they quit on him. They certainly didn't show a lot of effort in those last few games. I mean, they didn't, they didn't attempt to tackle to me in the playoff game. If you want to say that was quitting on the coach or something else, I don't know, but it was low effort. What I've said to you before, and what I think is that thread the needle is a good way to put it, when the off-season stories are written before the draft, free agency, training camp, and into the season, every one that says which coach is on the hot seat, Nick's going to be at the top of the list. They get off to a slow start. If they're one and three, could they fire him? Yeah, I, I think that's a real possibility. It will be fascinating to see when the schedule comes out what it is. I'm sure if you're Sirianni, it's like, well, I, I don't remember who's on the schedule, but I, I hope we play the Giants first. Uh, you know, is Caroline on the schedule? Let's play them early because he's got to get off to a good start. That, I think. He does, but he is not alone. It's funny you mentioned the Giants. Is Brian Dayball on a hot seat? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, both New York coaches maybe. Is Mike McCartney on a hot seat? I don't – Jerry doesn't fire coaches during the season, right? I don't know He that also he could have extended him. He's, Sirianni's got two years to run on his contract. McCarthy, this is his last year. He yeah. truly is a lame duck coach. Yeah. So two of the other three teams in the division are in the same place. A lot of hot seats. There are.
There you go. All right. Uh, we're going to change it up a little. We get back to some baseball. Philly spring training. God, Jody, I need spring training so bad right now. Yes. Oof, something to look forward to. We're going to talk to Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Continue to take your calls at 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. One ball, two strikes on Harris. And a pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And there's number 200 on the season for Zach Wheeler. Second time in his big league career, he's gotten the 200 strikeouts in a season. Yeah, it was a big year for Zach Wheeler last year. As the Phillies, uh, I don't know, you could call him the second starter. He's probably now the first starter. Had a really good year. Uh, and that brings us to the beginning of our conversation with Scott Lauber, uh, covers the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Nice enough to join us. How you doing there, Scott? Doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing all well, right. I'll, I'll tell you how good I'm doing if you tell me where you are right now. Uh, I go to Clearwater in a couple of days, uh, so I'm uh, still home. Then I'm okay. then I'm good now, but I'll be jealous in three <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a beautiful time of year when you get to go down there and enjoy it. We look forward to your coverage. And we opened with a uh, Zach Wheeler highlight because – what the Phillies did this offseason, and it was a good move in my mind, was re-sign Aaron Nola. And now you got Zach Wheeler, who's got one year to go on his deal and has performed really well for the Phillies. So I just want to start. Do you think they will be successful signing him before the season starts? What's he going to want? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think they're going to try really hard. I think it's their priority. Uh, I think they've made that clear that uh, – that that's now their priority is to try to get Zach Wheeler locked up. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, I mean, if we were, I think we were having this conversation a year ago about Aaron Nola and I thought that a good chance of locking him up a year ago at this time it, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I can tell you that I feel good about them locking up Zach Wheeler, but you know, I sort of, I sort of feel like last year kind of made me get out of the prediction business when it comes to these things, because mm-hmm. You never really know once the conversations pick up what each side is looking for. I mean, are, how many years does Zach Wheeler want? Um, what's going to be the annual value of those years? Um, with NOLA, they didn't get close because they cut those conversations off with about five days to go before opening day. If they were really close, they would have continued right until um, the season started and tried to hammer something out. So while I have never been able to fi- figure out how far apart they were, it was obviously pretty far. And then you look at how it ended up. Nola was a free agent for all of 17 days, realized he didn't want to go anywhere else, and agreed to a deal that, you know, I have a feeling he probably could have agreed to seven months earlier had they just sort of um, come together on that. So I don't really know part or how close together Wheeler and the Phillies are going to be, but I do think that there's mutual interest in getting it done. And I do think if there's a difference between Wheeler and Nola, it's, it's two things. Wheeler is older. Um, he's 33 going on 34. Um, and so the, the length of the deal is not going to be seven or eight years the way it was with Nola. The other thing is that Wheeler has already experienced free agency. So while I do think that there was probably some curiosity on Aaron Nola's part a year ago, um, he was that close to free agency and had never gone through it before and probably wanted to see or was curious to see what his value would be like on the open market. Wheeler's already done that, and he's already taken less money to come here once um, he could have had more with the White Sox if he had gone there in free agency a couple of years ago. So I don't know if that curiosity exists for him, having seen it before. So I guess it's a long way of saying that I do think that they're going to try, and I do think that there's a good chance. But 
again, I thought there was a good chance with Nola a year ago. If we get to opening day, Scott, and the extension is not in place, how much wiggle room have the Phillies bought themselves with the Philly Nation because they said the same exact thing about Nola, didn't get it done, but eventually got it done, and that's all that matters. Does uh, the, the Philly fans cut the Phillies maybe a little bit more slack this year because even though they didn't get it done before the season started, they got it done, which is the most important thing. Maybe, maybe it's possible, but I, I would remind people that, um, you know, they they wanted to re-sign JT Real Muto a few years back, didn't do it. He went to free agency. They wound up bringing him back, and that didn't really um, that didn't really dispel any of the worrying about Nola over, you know, would they be able to bring back Nola? So, you know, I don't know. I, I look. I mean, here's what I do know: is that your chances of of bringing a guy back are much much easier when you're negotiating against nobody other than yourself. When, when a guy gets to free agency and 29 other teams get a crack at him, anything can happen. Um, what you saw with Nola this year was he got to free agency. The Braves, I'm told, were very, very aggressive right out of the gate trying to get him signed. The Dodgers, I was told, made an offer. Uh, so there was interest. It wasn't like Nola did not generate interest on the market. He did. He just didn't want to go anywhere. When push came to shove, he was comfortable here and couldn't really see himself anywhere else. So, you know, look, I, I think that um, they have proof now with both NOLA and Real Muto that just because you don't get an extension done um, before a season does not mean you can't bring the guy back. It's just it's, it's indisputable to say, though, that it's not a little bit more difficult to do once 29 other teams can get a crack at a guy. So, Scott Lauber, uh, I saw something the other day that said that uh, as, as quiet as the Phillies have been this offseason, and it really was just signing Nola and adding Kobe Allard, that um, they spent more money this offseason on free agents than any team other than the Dodgers, and the Dodgers obviously have spent a ton. Um, but what it also says is there's a lot of pretty good free agents still unsigned, and here we are in the middle of February – I hear the Phillies' names associated with this guy, that guy, maybe Bellinger, maybe Jordan Montgomery, maybe this. You got any sense that they may pull another move before or during spring training? Well, so I looked it up the other day, and Nola's actually the third largest free agent deal so far. And we're all still waiting on Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and Cody Bellinger, those three in particular, uh, who have a chance at, at the Nola number or you know getting there or, or getting over it. But other than Otani and Yamamoto, Nola's the third largest free agent mm-hmm. signing this offseason. So um, it does. It underscores that there are some good players still out there. And, you know, I think to answer your question, I, I think that uh, the markets for those three players in particular would have to crater for the Phillies to really jump in in a serious way, I think. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that, um, that their plans have changed at all in terms of you know, wanting to make Wheeler their priority, wanting to uh, re-sign him, they have a number of – so they've got, you know, over $200 million committed already uh, uh, to salaries this year. Their payroll is going to be up around $257 million, which is the second uh, threshold, um, luxury tax threshold. If they were to jump in and go sign a Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery or a Cody Bellinger, even, even if those guys said, all right, year contract even if it's a one-year deal which they're all going to get more than a one-year deal uh but even if they said okay you know our the 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 market's not there for us we'll settle for one year that's still going to push the phillies over the third threshold 
and there's a 96% or something tax rate if you're over the third threshold, $277 million. So what you have to keep in mind is that whatever number you're going to pay for those guys, if you're the Phillies, you're going to pay a 96% tax, yeah. essentially. In on for that a dime, contract. in for a dollar, my friend. Uh, I, I understand. I hear you. But, you know, um, nothing. And uh, the penalties, they're in a part now where the penalty gets a little more severe. So I would say no. I do. I think that they're going to probably stick with what they've got and then, you know, they'll have some um, some chips to play or some, some things to do if they feel like they need help during the season. You also hamstring yourself uh, during the season if you go for one of those guys now. So I understand, and, and I do think that, you know, the longer those guys are unsigned, um, the more the Phillies or other teams are going to be linked with them. Look, if I'm an agent, I want the Phillies associated with my free agent because sure. the Phillies are a big market team that's got a lot of money that has shown a willingness to spend it over the years. And if I got other teams thinking the Phillies are involved, well, then I'm going to raise the price for my guys. So I'm not surprised they were linked to Josh Hader. They were never in on Josh Hader. And I'm not surprised they're being linked to these guys now because um, it's a good strategy on the part of an agent to get the Phillies involved. All right. Uh, Brandon Marsh, last 24, 48 hours, we find out floating cartilage in his left knee needed to have a procedure done. Going to miss minimum of three weeks, maybe four. That's certainly going to be a chunk of spring training, but he should be good for opening day. There's been some debate about the Philly in the outfield and whether they need someone. I've been a Johan Rojas is going to play 150 games in center field this year kind of guy. Um, now I think it's uh, almost a foregone conclusion that that's going to be the case. Will the Phillies react to this? Will they, if not getting Cody Bellinger, which will be a kick the luxury tax threshold up kind of deal, will they be on the lookout for a less expensive upgrade to add to the outfield mix because of this injury? Um, You know, look, I think that for a while now they've been looking for a fourth outfielder. Um, And, and, you you know, I think it's very similar to, and I've written a lot about this, um, their pursuit of pitching depth. You know, anyone who's still out there on the market is looking every day in the case of an outfielder or to start uh, in the case of, uh, of, a, of a pitcher. Um, and I, I think that um, I think that they're still at the, the stage where guys have not given up that that hope. So, you know, just to throw a name out there, not to say that they're that they're pursuing him, but like, let's say a guy like Michael Taylor, for example. Right. He's a center fielder. He's a free agent. Um, I think he wants an opportunity still to play every day. Now, that may change, right? If he's still unsigned, you get into spring training, and he's still looking for a job, maybe he decides, you know, the Phillies are not a bad place to be because they're looking for a fourth outfielder. Their center fielder is still an inexperienced guy. If he should struggle, there are going to be at-bats there for you if you're a veteran center field type. So maybe you come into camp as a fourth outfielder and you wind up getting more playing time. I I can see working out a deal with a player like that in that bucket um, but probably not until spring training begins because that's when uh, their expectations, the players' expectations will change and, and maybe they'll look at an opportunity uh, differently than they did during the offseason. So I do still think they're looking for a fourth outfielder. I think they'll wind up with one at some point before the start of the season uh, and deepen, deepen their roster that way uh, because of the inexperience with Rojas, because of Marsh's injury and relative inexperience. I mean, you can only say so many times, right, that Yohan Rojas has to prove it in spring training. And 
We're not going to anoint him as our center fielder and all of that. But if you don't have an internal, um, uh, an uh, an in-house guy to go compete with him, he's going to get the job. Same with Brandon Marsh. You can say all you want that, oh, he'll play every day if he hits lefty. Well, what's your alternative if he doesn't? So I do think that they have their eye on outfield depth, and I do think that they're going to go out and find somebody at some point in spring training who can help in that area. All right, Scott, your, your uh, line so is getting you, is getting really funky. We're going to let you go, but just before you go, uh, pick the Super Bowl for us today. I think his line got, got really funky. funky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate Scott Lauber. Always nice to talk to him. Jody, uh, I interrupt this broadcast with a, a very disturbing news alert. Ian Rappaport, rap sheet, uh, just uh, put that Eagles all-pro edge rusher Hassan Reddick has received permission to seek a trade following another disruptive season featuring double-digit sacks. The 29-year-old with 27 sacks over the last two years in Philly could land elsewhere. I blame the Eagles coaching staff for taking a guy who was amazingly effective and putting him in a position where he's dropping into coverage. I'm sure he was frustrated. To his credit, he didn't say anything during the season, but we know he had to be unhappy with it. He had bonuses tied to sacks, et cetera, et cetera, and now he wants out, and I'm not happy about it, and I blame the coaching staff. And, oh, by the way, we had Barrett Brooks, for those who missed out. He was on with us uh, an hour ago. Who is the one guy I said, if Vic Fangio is going to come in and he's going to snap that whip and make him work harder and give him a little bit more edge in practice because he's an old school kind of guy, somebody on the defensive side of the ball is going to have to say, hey, let's go, guys. Rally his fellow defensive teammates around him and say, don't be whining about we're practicing hard. We're not practicing. Talk to some of the old school guys when they used to do two-a-days. Stop whining about how much we're actually practicing. Who's the guy who Barrett suggested could be that guy for the Eagles? Yeah. Yep. Hassan Reddick. As Hassan Reddick says, you know, I think I'd rather be somewhere else. Not a good sign, G-Mac. Who was the best player on their defense this last year? That's Not a good many. question. <laughs> um, yeah. You want to go for the rookie? Mm, not really. Hassan Reddick. I mean, he, nobody was really he, good on the defense. He but faltered. He faltered late in the year just he like did. A, and cost himself defensive rookie of the year, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, finished second, Carter. Um, I think Hassan Rex, your best defensive player. You going to let him go? You going to be a contender? Let let him go? That doesn't that doesn't work for me. And here's the reason that it's a, a really bad, as far as timing goes, that it's coming out now. I guarantee you the Eagles were planning on renegotiating with uh, Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. And they do not have the leverage because, as you correctly point out, He's their best player right now. They need him to renegotiate because otherwise they're not going to have the cap room to upgrade at other positions other than the one that's on Reddick plays. So they need to get this renegotiation done. And Hassan Reddick just brought the hammer down and said, yeah, if we're going to renegotiate, it's going to be on my terms, not on the team-friendly terms that the Eagles might be looking for. Really bothered by this report. If you're just joining us uh – Ian Rappaport reports that Hassan Reddick has received permission to seek a trade. Don't like it at all. Let's grab a caller before the break. Tom is with us. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, not as well I as I was doing 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I just saw that on Instagram. I was like, oh, no. I mean, I think 
you know, they had eight or nine guys on the defense that need to replace, and now they have to replace, you know, potentially the the best guy on their defense. Um, it's not yeah. good. Nope. But uh, I was I'm a a drum guy, but I if I can get the the the, the flat as a boneless, like if you do the wiggle of the little bone and then you do a little twist of the big bone and you get that perfectly wait, as wait, a bone. they do that or you do that yourself no i do that my fraternity brother okay. told me that like 30 years ago you get the little bone and you wiggle it you just keep on wiggling and wiggling and yeah. loosen it up and pull it out yeah. then the big bone you got to do a little twist with the meat it's a little it's a process but if no, I, you I get that it. out perfectly it's it's like kenny kdb and rounders you get the perfect oreo it's <laughs> a, it's, it's the best <laughs> so good reference but, yeah, but I, I, uh, I can't go against Reed and Mahomes. That's and and it's and it is weird. I'm a line believer, and it's very strange to me that the 49ers have stayed the favorite. But I just can't go against one of the best uh, quarterbacks I've seen. You know, Man, in, I am the same. Jody's going the other way. The public's going the other way. Jody, I just looked. Uh, the Athletic, which is the New York Times, 50 of their writers, 40 picked Kansas City. Right. I, eight, that's the number I found. CBS was nine yeah. for nine. Uh, yeah, Sports Illustrated was seven out of nine. Uh, a lot just, of the media is on the Chiefs. Yeah. I just want a good game. I'm going to put in some crazy 15-point, you know, 15-leg parlays, but I got two oh, good luck. sure ones. Nushak over four and a half receiving yards. I think he's going to catch one pass and hopefully he stumbles. And then Elijah. <laughs> Elijah Mitchell over six and a half yards because, you know, McCaffrey's going to get worn out. They're going to bring him in for a couple of plays, and, you know, he could potentially even get a touchdown, which would be, you know, you crazy. Hey, I, I love I love those obscure bets that you got. Uh, Jody, just let's uh, let me check our poll, get the most recent. All right. So, oh, my goodness. Jody Mack, 1,161 votes. I kept that open until like one fifteen, so we'll right. get it done before we get on the air. I swear to God, right now it is fifty point zero flats, fifty point zero drummies. Get out of Dodge. I've done hundreds, dozens, if not hundreds, of Twitter polls over the years. I, nothing has divided the public as much as the question of which chicken wing is superior, the flat or the drummy. It's exactly a fifty-fifty split. That is amazing. And uh, you're on one side and I'm on the other. Even yeah. though I'm not that heavily on the drum side. But uh, if I got to pick one, fine. Uh, damn, how much longer the poll going to be open? 53 minutes. All right. Get on there, drummies. Get on there, flat guys. <laughs> you better start uh, logging in to MacMan's Twitter and get a win for your side. That's at Real Glenn Mac now. Uh, and we just got the news now that uh, from Ian Rappaport says that Hassan Raddick has received permission to work out a trade, those usually don't end well. And uh, if we want to believe the Eagles are going to come back this next year and be a contender, that's not a good start to any of that. Uh, so we'll talk to you. We've got some uh, good calls on the line. Eagles, somebody wants to talk Flyers. Absolutely. We will get that in in the next segment. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now. 215-592-9494 on 94WIP. To go back onto a power play unit as well without Zamula. Seam pass leads to York. One timer. Martin! Martin! Scores! How about the start for Scott Lawton and the Flyers? Well, there you go. Flyers win last night, beat the Kraken. By the way, I love that nickname, the Kraken. 
that it's it's hard anymore if you're an expansion team to find a name that's either not cheesy or trite. And I thought Kraken's a good one. And never been done before because there are a lot right. of repetition between college and pro and everything else. Uh, so I'm with you. Love the Kraken nickname. Uh, but the Flyers beat him. Third win in a row. Uh, as you heard, Scott Lawton scores the opening goal. He's playing well. Uh, Ryan Poling scores. And Sean Couturier scores the go-ahead goal after the coach, I guess, kind of dressed him down uh, on the bench at one point. And Couturier, when he, after he scores, did a gesture. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened because I wasn't watching the game, but did a gesture. And after the game, Tortorella says, uh, yeah, he was sticking it to me for something I said. And I love that he was. <laughs> so, and he good. doubled down on it afterwards. His, his post-game quotes were, we need Couturier to be great basically every night. Yeah. That we can't have just an okay Couturier. He's that important to us. He's got a, he, he has a role on this team, and it's an important role, and he needs to fulfill it every single night. He, he doubled down on his, yeah, you got to be better when he's going to one of those nights where it's just not clicking and he's not doing what he usually does. Um, that tells you how much importance the coach thinks Mike Couturier has for this team. Yeah, and and Sean Couturier, uh, I, Sean Couturier, and I and I and I really like Couturier as a player. Torrell's doing a good job. I mean, they. I will say this about the Flyers. I, I don't think they're going to go far. Clearly, I, I, most people don't. They're the most fun of the of the four local teams to watch these days. Least drama, I would certainly say, and that like borderline shocks me because Tortorella is the coach. Yeah, because right. he usually is a magnet for uh, drama, and it has not been the case. You are uh, you are correct, my friend. Uh, let's get to Aaron in Norristown. Wants to talk some Flyers. Hello. Morning, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Good. good. You? Good. Good. I want to talk Flyers, as I've been calling you guys about. Um, first of all, Glenn, I don't necessarily agree or disagree that they're not going to go far in the playoffs. I like to gauge how the Flyers are looked at by listening and reading the quotes from the other team, players and coaches after they play them. And every, almost to a team, the Flyers come at you in waves. All of a sudden, this Flyers team, known for being a mucking and grinding franchise, has speed that just is constant throughout the lineup. And it, I think it could be interesting. I wanted to ask your opinion. With the trade deadline approaching in the first week in March, and they're going to be playing more Eastern Conference, including an amazing stadium series game up at MetLife this weekend coming up. Um, do you think it's gauging upon how they now will be doing against the Eastern Conference team? They're pretty much done without a couple games left against the West. See what they do. Like I prefer they keep Konechny. They have four picks in this first in this draft in the first two rounds. Four picks in next year. I mean, you can only get so many draft picks, and. Connecting's only 27. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine wanting to trade him. What do you think they would be doing if they stay where they are now as a solid playoff contender in the Eastern Conference? This one's yours, Joe. I don't think they're going to do anything. I think it's going to it's going to it's going to annoy the Flyer fans who are excited during this season because uh, our buddy Anthony Sanfilippo, I thought, wrote a great post the other day. They're all on the same page: Jonesy, Briere. Tortorella, they're not going to sacrifice today for tomorrow. Um, no, that's Jody. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying I don't want him to. I'm glad you're saying that. I'm saying I don't want him to go out and get somebody, but I don't want him. I mean, except for maybe trading off an expiring contract like Walkers or like Rich Line. No, but you just ran down the draft picks, and you said they can't make four draft picks. Well, guess what? 
they're going to keep those draft picks until draft day. They're not going to trade them at the deadline. They're not going to I'm look not to add trade a the draft pick. You're, you're, you're thinking the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't want them to do anything. I don't want them to get more. I want them to yeah, you want them to hold. Exactly. I want them to hold. Yeah. And you have to let go of like a, a walker because he's going to no, yeah, yeah, yeah. walk right. at the end of the year anyway. You know, that, that, that is what it is. Don't, I mean, don't trade not, anybody who can help you in the future, in, including, well, anybody. And, and I'm, I, think, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, I don't know that anybody is disagreeing. I think yeah. some could get caught up in the hype and go, hey, if we could add this one key piece, draft pick, screw draft picks, let us get a guy who could step in last year of a contract but absolutely help us in a playoff run. They're not going to do that. They, they are across the board in place. This is a growth period time for the Flyers. They've kind of overachieved as per expectations, but they're not going to overreact to it and move away from their course of action. One more flyer thing, speaking of Jonesy and speaking of Anthony Sanfilippo, Jonesy was on uh, their show they do last night, <clears throat> excuse me, press row show with Anthony Sanfilippo, Chris Terry, and Russ Joy. And uh, as you know, last night Cal Peterson, the backup, came in for Sam Erson, got the win. And Jonesy talked about kind of the, we know, or I don't know if we know, but we think it's most likely Carter Hart has played his last game as a flyer goalie, he's a free agent at the end of the year, restricted free agent, whatever, and it doesn't sound like he's going to have cleared up his legal issues before then. And so Keith Jones was talking about the future of the position. Here we go. I would say that every game that Cal starts is an important game, and he's a big part of what we're doing right now. Right. Uh, Sam's not going to be able to play every game. Yeah. So it's important for Cal to get out there and do his thing. We have a lot of goaltenders in the pipeline. Um, a lot of Russian goaltenders in the pipe, pipeline. So I, I'm looking forward to watching those guys perform over here when they arrive. And some will be here sooner than later. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of our future. There's no question about it. They, I th- you know, this thing's been hanging over Carter Hart for a while. I think the Flyers had a sense of what was coming. I think in the last couple of years they've drafted a lot of goalies, as he said, in the Russian goalies in the pipeline, Jody. Can't tell you much about him, but I'm looking forward to it. And, oh, by the way, Jonesy teased us right there. Define in the pipeline and in the near future. Is in the near future starting next year? Is it someone could join the team before this year is out in the next couple of months? He kind of left us dangling there, yeah. which I'm sure was his his choice. He didn't want to tip his hand one way or the other uh, to keep all his options open, but um, I'm, I'm glad that they're as high on their goaltender prospects as they are. I like a Russian goalie. How about Ilya Berskalov? Well, no. I was thinking more of Bobrovsky. <laughs> I like Bobrovsky. <laughs> Bobrovsky right. was good. Ilya, yeah. not so much. Yeah. Let's get Robert in Phoenixville. Hey, Robert, I know you want to talk Eagles. What do you think of the potential news that their best pass rusher uh, could seek a trade and leave? Well, I'm okay with that, Glenn. I, I, what? I, what? The, no, no, I, no. Hear me out, because it might force them to draft a, a high, high linebacker. That's the only thing that that appeals to me. They, they I can do that. Well, 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 well. Time out, Philadelphia. Hassan Reddick is not a linebacker. They may list him as a linebacker. He is an edge pass rusher. Don't yeah, tell yeah. me that because Hassan wants out, that's yeah. going to get them to pick a middle linebacker, an inside I, linebacker. Those two then, things have nothing to do with each other. I, I get it. I get it. But he is he is listed as that. And besides, 
Not that I think that he's declining. It doesn't sound like that. But, um, you know, he is getting up there in age, and I don't want another uh, aging, uh, you know, defensive uh, player oh, man. to, to, to I, snicker I, us in the middle of the year. Getting so, what, but what I really wanted to talk it? about. Oh, hold on. I, well, you go ahead, and then I'll, I'll address this after. I know no, that's no, not ahead, why man. you called. Go ahead. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one, I'd like to hear Jody because I haven't heard him since they announced that Eric Allen didn't make the Pro Bowl, oh. and also, um, I, I also don't, I don't understand how Patrick Willis can make the Pro Bowl. Is a big the? Uh, I think the you're talking about the Hall of Fame, but yes. Yeah, yeah, and then I don't understand how uh, Patrick Willis made it, and Seth Joyner isn't even the finalist. And finally, finally, what I really called about was Jody made a point earlier about how trending defenses aren't always the best bet when it comes to the Super Bowl. Let's not forget last year. I mean, Jalen. The offense really didn't do the defense any any favors. They they had a fumble. It was returning exactly for a touchdown, and they were up seven. They were already up uh, four, like at least seven or fourteen points. I can't remember which. And then the special teams return. That those that two killed eyes, them. Those two the punt return killed them yeah, to me completely. as much as anything. Yeah. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. On yeah, the, on and I'm glad you brought up the uh, the Hall of Fame, not the Pro Bowl, but the Hall of Fame, Jody. I really think Eric Allen is a Hall of Fame player, watched his entire career here, uh, and then, and well, watched his career here, and then he goes from here and plays, what, six, seven more really productive years. He he was a finalist this year, didn't get in. I'm really disappointed in that. In the past two weeks, I've talked to two guys, three guys who have Hall of Fame votes, um, Paul Domwich, uh Clark Judge, longtime mm. NFL writer. Yeah. Uh, and last night I had Gary Myers on my CBS Sports Radio show, and we talked about it. And they said that he got consideration. Shoot, he had never made the final before, so he's trending in the right direction. 18 years into the process, trending in the right direction. Yeah, I guess you're, <laughs> you're looking for small victories. Um, but uh, the two guys that I have been on the bully pulpit for for literally decades – have been Joe Klecko and Eric Allen, two guys who I watched the majority of their career, if not 95% of their career, and both are, in my mind, unquestioned Hall of Famers. Klecko never got in until he got to the Veterans Committee. Yeah, you got one, yeah. And he did get in finally, and I couldn't have been happier for it. Um, both, uh, the two of the three guys noted that there has been, and this happens in the Baseball Hall of Fame discussion as well, when you get to that final year, there's a little bit of a push, and guys mm-hmm. are a little bit more open-minded. And the Veterans Committee, can you can get down a rabbit hole there, and sometimes guys never get out of it. Um, so he's got two more years to go on the regular ballot, and I'm just hoping and praying that Eric gets it one of the two times. I still think it can happen. Definitely deserves it. 215-59. No- I'm sorry, you were saying something else? No, I was just saying yes. Okay. I was agreeing with you. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. At noon, we are going to talk to Adam Kaplan. Does a great job covering the league. Uh, he's everywhere. Serious Radio. He's got the Inside Birds podcast. We're going to find out what he thinks about the breaking news that Hassan Reddick uh, has received permission to seek a trade from the Eagles, per Ian Rappaport. That is very disturbing. We'll talk to you about whatever's on your mind. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now ninety four WIP. In case you didn't know, there's a big game coming up this afternoon. Pretty sure everybody knows about it. Uh, and if you'd like a little bit more action while watching the action, 
You can get it with the Bet Parks app, including maybe some live betting on the game. You can get your action in before, and then you could actually double down and make a play while the game is ongoing. The Bet Parks Sportsbook and Casino app gives you the chance to do just that. It is the app for the real Philly sports fan. Bet on more than just the score, the oh, unbelievable amount of player props that are available. If you're a game player, then you can play blackjack with a live dealer right on your phone. Maybe you're bored by the game. You want to play a little blackjack while you're at it. The party you're at isn't all that good. This Sunday's big game, San Fran, still a two-point choice over Kansas City, over under at 47.5, maybe 48 in uh, some places. Check out the player props for all the big games, plus bet on the coin toss, on the Rovers, betting by quarters. I'm telling you, it's a ton of fun. Bet Parks has a great offer, so you can join me right now. Download the Bet Parks Sportsbook app, and you new customers, if you never played with Parks before, Make a winning $10 bet and get $125 in a bonus sportbook bet back. Must be a winning bet, and all bonus bets must be wagered once. New users only terms and conditions apply. See website at betparks.com for more details. You love to play? Play to win? You bet. Bet Parks must be 21 in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Third down. Four-man rush. Purdy in some trouble. Escapes. Looking for the first down. He's got it and more. Brock Purdy with the legs inside the 30. All right. The two biggest Brock Purdy fans that I know are the two guys I work with on the weekends, Mike Silski and Jody McDonald, uh, who, Jody, you have backed him, predicted his success, supported him for a while, and here he is in the Super Bowl today. Listen, he's got a lot of talent around him, but uh, I cannot uh, ignore how good he has been, how steady he has been. So I'm patting Agreed. you on the back, Jody Mack. Thank you very much for that. And uh, let's not overstate it. It wasn't like when he was chosen as Mr. Irrelevant, I said, what a steal for the San Francisco 49 I, I didn't know anything about Brock Purdy hey, either. Hey, He's take a the compliment. Competent man. college quarterback. But what has annoyed me greatly is – the kid comes in, takes over the job, goes undefeated, undefeated last year, walks into the playoffs, wins playoff games. One he played phenomenally in. The other one was more of a defensive win over Dallas than it was Purdy playing outrageous. But he was the winning quarterback for them. Goes into the game against the Eagles, gets hurt, stuff happens. Do I know that San Francisco would have won a game if he played? I surely do not. I think the Eagles, I picked the Eagles that day, even as a big party fan I'd become, but it would have been a different outcome. You knew the game would have been closer. Uh, so I don't hold that loss against him. He's undefeated in the playoffs. He won both of his playoff games last year. He's won both of his playoffs. He's 4-0 and in the playoffs, yet there is a contingent of media members who are still calling him a game manager and a system quarterback. And what more does the kid have to do? He's led the league in passer rating two years running. Did last year for a half a season, albeit, but during his starting time, he had the best passer rating in the NFL. He had the best passer rating in the NFL again this year, above Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. All of, he was better, but yet he still has to listen to 
he's a game manager. And I think it's just flat out wrong. I think it's people clinging to the fact that he was Mr. Irrelevant and they didn't jump on the Bernie bandwagon quickly enough. So they couldn't be wrong. This guy is just doing it because of everything around him. Give the guy credit for what he's accomplished. And if he wins today, he'll only be the third quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is 14-4 and four in his postseason career. That's a damn good record, 14-4. Wow. and four. Yeah, really. Um, and the only quarterbacks, they, uh, did I say 14-4? and four? Excuse yeah. me, 14-3. and three. Wow. The only two quarterbacks he's lost to are Tom Brady, when he was with the Patriots early in Mahomes' career, his first year as a starter. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when he was with Tampa Bay. And Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. 14-3. and three. If Purdy adds his name to a list which includes Tom Brady and Joe Burrow, what will the explanation be then? Just give Shanahan all the credit? Give Devo all the uh, Somebody yeah, other the than Brock Purdy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm not arguing with you any, anymore. I mean, you were, you were on it early, uh, as was Mike. I was, uh, you know, less convinced. Not saying he was... He wasn't a good quarterback, but yeah, you're you're right. And I saw him. I read a piece the other day where he was compared to Drew Brees. And you know who made that comparison? Drew, Drew Brees. Brees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the same height. They're both just a little over six feet, right? Which is not really what you're looking for in a quarterback. You want you want taller. They both weigh the same, 212 pounds. They both ran the same 40 time. Um, They've both been criticized for not having exceptional arms and, you know, being small. Um, they're both really smart. They did they tested well on those tests that they take. They're both calm under pressure. Um, and I Breeze said, he's me. And Drew Brees, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the history of the league, loved watching him, respected him so much. If Drew Brees thinks Kyle Purdy is the next Drew Brees, I am not going to argue. That's a pretty good endorsement. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go a different direction. There was another former 49er quarterback who didn't have the biggest arm. That's <laughs> why he dropped down to the third round of the draft. Oh, my. If ever there was a quarterback who was a system quarterback, the West Coast offense mm -hmm. uh, was not only brought in by Bill Walsh, had a shelf life in the league for another 25 years after. He created it all. I don't recall anyone ever calling Joe Montana a game manager or a system quarterback. But if the shoe fits, wear it. And I think Brock Purdy is doing Joe Montana-like things. Can't compare to Montana because he's only been in the league. He's only been starting a year and a half. And Montana had this unbelievable career. But we, we went down this road with another 49er quarterback who was very comparable to Brock Purdy, when he took over as the starter at San Francisco, and he didn't have to face the same slings and arrows that Purdy has. All right, so we just compared Brock Purdy to two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yep. <laughs> so he better damn got, win tonight, I'll say that. I got no problem doing that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk to Bruce and Cinnamons. And hey, Bruce. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? I'm being great. as concise. I'll be as concise as uh, as I possibly can because I know you're coming up uh, on the hour. I've been big fans of both you guys since you've been on WIP forever. Thanks, That's buddy. number one. Number two, I think I like the direction the Flyers are going. I love Tortorella. I was on the fence with him for years, but I like his old-school approach. I like the fact that uh, Keith Jones and Briere involved with the Flyers. I just love the direction. I can't believe we're talking about the Flyers on Super Bowl Sunday. 
I, I like that. Yeah, we like it too. Yeah, and as far as um, and I didn't call about Purdy, but you guys are talking about Purdy. I like Mike Filsky's column this morning on leadership and Purdy. I think that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, hey, Glenn, quick question, and I'll let you guys go, or you let me go. You during COVID, you and and Ray had. Uh, uh, I never listened to talk radio on the weekend until COVID, right? Yeah. And you guys had that uh, that segment where you were you went back in time, you interviewed. Um, oh, you come and tell that, us your story. Tell us your story. Yeah, you we did 110 of those. Yeah. You ever going to bring those back? You know, and I and thanks for asking. I'm going to hang up and give you the answer. So when COVID started and we're all trying to figure out programming and there's no live sports and Jody, we all did for, you know, for the first week, what was the greatest coach, whatever, yeah, whatever, you know, favorite trash can color, whatever theme we'd come up with. And then we realized like, oh, this thing's going to last longer than we thought. We better come up with some stuff. So Ray and I saw it as an opportunity to do long form interviews, which, you know, we never do interviews longer than a segment. And so we were doing hour-long interviews, and we did 110 with Hall of Famers and players, coaches, broadcasters, referees. We had a blast with it. But it was I, – I considered it kind of joint intellectual property, and when Ray retired, uh, that, that was something that, uh, that left. So I appreciate it, love doing it, but, yeah, that was something we did together. Um, coming up, you and I are going to talk to a very smart guy, Adam Kaplan. Uh, and talk to him about the Super Bowl and the Eagles and all nature of football. Wait, before we go, Jody, let's do an update on the poll. Oh, how close is the poll? The most important poll. Wow. Okay, well, we got a leader right now. Okay. There are, how much time is left? 20 minutes left to vote. And it's on my uh, Twitter page, at Real Glenn Mac now. A critical Super Bowl day debate on chicken wings. What is superior? We're up to... Th- 1,312 votes. Jody, people know what counts. Uh, 1,312 votes, 50.2% flats, 49.8% drummies. Nope, just changed. 1,366 votes, 50.1% flats, 49.9 drummies. Jody, your thoughts? It's still damn close. To be determined, get to Glenn's Twitter page. You got to decide this, drums fans. You got to get on this, uh, flat fans. <laughs> it hangs in the balance. Your vote could move the needle. I am a flat fanatic, and Jody is a drummy supporter, just so you know. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. I right, will come back with Adam Kaplan and your calls on 94 WIP. Jerry McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Please be joined now by our pal Adam Kaplan. Adam Kaplan, let me get the resume straight. You can follow him on Twitter at Kaplan. It's with C-C-A-P-L-A-N-N-F-L. He's everywhere. He's on Sirius. He's got the Inside Birds podcast. I hear him basically wherever I go. Adam, nice uh, of you. I appreciate you taking some time with us on Super Bowl Day. Guys, good to be with you. I just got back from... uh... Radio Row back home in my office and uh, looking forward to watching the game. And it was a fun week. Nice. Uh, I want to start with a, a little bit of uh, news that just yeah. uh, kind of broke uh, within the last hour or so. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that the Eagles have given Hassan Reddick permission to seek a trade. Uh, we know his contract. He's not happy with his contract. I imagine he's not happy with how he was used last season. How much should we worry about this? 
Well, I would be worried. Here's what I'm just going to tell you in our reporting on this. So we, we put this, we have a Patreon group, uh, patreon.com, mm-hmm. so inside the birds. And we put this out two weeks ago, coming back from the Senior Bowl. Here's what we said. Reddick's going to ask for more money. If he doesn't like what he hears, he's going to ask for a trade. And here we are, uh, two weeks later. Uh, why, did he, why is he asking for a trade? Well, here's what happened. He also changed agents. You should know that. Mm. He's making only $15 million a year. And, and let me just give you an idea of where the edge rusher group is the National Football League, he signed this deal two years ago. Mosher and I said on our show that he's going to ask – we said this two years ago when he did the deal. This deal is really undervalued, three years, $45 million. If he has a good year one, they're going to have to redo the deal after year two. Well, he had an exceptional year one, good year two, not clearly as good. Now, you, you just talked about the scheme and some things that happened last season. That's not his fault. And I'm not taking his side. I don't know the guy. You know, I just call it down the middle, but I try to look at both sides and where they're at. Mm-hmm. But let me give you a number. Let me give you these numbers here. This gives you proper perspective of how underpaid he is. Plum Mack did his deal, guys. This is this is crazy. He was probably the best edge rusher six years ago, twenty three point five million per season. Max Crosby, twenty three point five million. He did that deal in March of twenty two. Montez Sweat, who's really he's an okay player. He just got a monster deal. That that he had leverage there because he was just traded. He was traded from Watch to the Bears, twenty four point seven million. Rex a better football player. Miles Garrett, obviously it's probably gonna be Hall of Famer. Four years almost he'll be four years this July, twenty five million a season. Joey Bosa, uh, who signed his extension, twenty seven million a year back in twenty twenty. T J Watt. Now I'm, these guys are all most of these guys are better than him. I'm not arguing that. But it's the timing of these deals. Bosa did his four years ago, T J Watt. Uh, September of 21, 28 million, and Nick Bosa, one of the top five players of the game, just signed it prior to last season in, in September, 34.2 million. Are we saying that Nick Bosa is nearly 17 million a year better than than Hassan Reddick? I would say he's not. No, pretty good. Yeah. But that, yep. so that now you know why he's asking for more money. Understood. And it happens all the time. New deal gets struck. The market yep. gets restructured. You you see you're standing on the back of the line. You want to move to the front of the line. So it's on Riddick would be different than basically anybody else. Uh, when you get re, the, the, the market gets reset, you want to be part of it. Uh, let me put an eagle spin on this, or at least try. Um, since they're granting him permission to seek a trade, the agent is going to be going out and talking to all these other teams, and a big part of it is, and we're going to rip up the contract, and what are you going to do for me? Is it the fact that they've had these negotiations with the Eagles and there's a big gap between them, and the Eagles think Hassan and his representation is overstating where he fits on that list of all the guys that you just ran down and said, well, if you don't want to take our word for it, go out and check the market. We still love you. We want to bring you back. We're making you an offer that we think is pretty good. But if you really think there's something that much better out there, go go get that team on the record and then bring back that back to us. Is there a chance that the Eagles are reading the market and thinking that maybe Hassan's Reddick's uh, request and or demands are a little out of reach? So, Jody, not totally clear here, but the way these things work is, and I know they want to keep Reddick. It's not like they want to trade him, but because they know that it's going to be hard to make him happy Eagles have done this. Other teams do this. They say, hey, go, go get your let, – let us know what's out there. Because in a sense, you're letting the agent do the work. And then if they, if they wind up wanting to actually trade him, they'll, they'll let him know what, the, what, what they're looking for, where the, the agent could do their legwork. This happens all the time, and mm-hmm. not just in the NFL, also in the NBA and other sports. 
Um, he, he, and by the way, I mean, I, I and and this is no this is no slam on Nolan Smith. Just think about it. If they wind up trading him, let's say they get a first round pick or a two and a whatever. I mean, you got Josh Sweat, and we, we could all debate what happened to Josh Sweat last season. That's it. I mean, that's it. Nolan Smith yeah. had one sack. He showed nothing. He, they knew he was not going to start anyway. This is not a secret to anyone. He couldn't start. They had guys ahead of him. But if their plan was to draft Reddick's replacement in Nolan Smith, I know some people are speculating that. If that's if that's their 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 way of doing it, Nolan Smith was, and I'm not criticizing the player. He was there late in the first round. There's a reason for it. Undersized teams were not sure. And, and by the way, so was Reddick. That's why the Cardinals could not figure out how to use him. It, it, it took him a while to get it right. Them to get it right, and then he went to Carolina and blew it up. So to think that Nolan Smith all of a sudden is going to blow it up this season. We'll see. I mean, that, that to me is a little bit foolhardy, but um, they also have the draft and free agency. All right, let me change the topic a little bit. Uh, you and uh, Jeff Mosher on Inside the Birds uh, talked about the Eagles' process of hiring coordinators, um, yeah. and they got Kellen Moore to come in uh, as the offense coordinator, but you were talking about how they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury and they liked him, but what happened? So, Glenn, what happened was they could not agree on staffing. Uh, Kingsbury, as we, we noted, he wanted to make significant changes. We can't tell you that he wanted to get rid of all everybody, but he just wanted to make certain changes. Quarterback was going to happen. No matter whoever the coordinator was going to be, they were going to make a change of quarterback coach. But the fact of the matter is, he wanted to make enough changes where I don't think they, I don't think Sirianni and, and GM Harry Rosen were comfortable with it. Uh, but he was the guy they actually were probably going to hire. Uh, Moore was like one A, and Kingsbury was one, and. And by the way, you know, Kingsbury also could not come to contract terms with the Raiders. Think about that. That, like, never happens. It's out there that two teams want you, and both deals fall through. That's kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's odd because I think Cliff Kingsbury thinks more about himself than the National Football We would agree on that one, my friend. I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, what happens? He takes the Washington job, and he brings in Brian uh, – the, the commanders bring in Brian Johnson, who he has no relationship whatsoever. Well, so he's actually, making he's, demands yeah, of the Eagles on the staff, and then the first thing yeah. is, yeah, we'll bring in another guy. They got He's a quarterback guru. Supposedly Brian Johnson's a quarterback guru, and they kept their quarterback coach. Who yeah, the hell's going to coach the kid who's picked number in. two? Yeah, Jody, here's why I brought him in. Scheme. It's all about scheme. He, they're going to run a t- pure spread, heavy 13, uh, heavy 11 personnel, which is three receivers, some 10, which are four receivers and one back, no tight end. And Johnson ran a lot of this at the University of Florida and other places. That's why he's there. But it is ironic, though. You're right, Jody. To, to, to bring him, it's just, it's so weird how, King, and, and by the way, would have, here's it. Someone ran this by me uh, a couple days ago. You really wondered if if he would have been the OC. What if he tried to keep Brian Johnson? But that's another story for another yeah. time. Um, let's talk. Actually, I have one more uh, sure. question before we talk about the Super Bowl. Um, and it's about coaches. Bill Belichick's unemployed. Nobody yeah. hired him. Uh, I know. Uh, I, I thought Atlanta might happen. It didn't. It is surprising to me with all of the openings. The best quarterback, the best quarterback, the best coach in this league doesn't get it. Yeah. What happened? I know Arthur Blank, the owner, was, you know, he did an interview, and I forget who was with this past week, but he basically said that this idea that Bill wanted control and it wouldn't work was not true. But I don't, I just get the feeling that not everyone with Atlanta was on board with bringing Bill in as the, as the head coach. And yes, Bill actually put, Bill did say to the, the Patriots media before he left, uh, before they had a parting of the ways, that 
whatever it would take, including personnel giving up some control, he would have been for. And then Atlanta, you they already have a GM with personnel control and Terry Fano. That that just that would be a tough deal. Um, but yeah, I, I I think. But let's bring this forward here. The big issue, Glenn, and if we're being honest about it, and I'm a Belichick fan, but my job is to call it down the middle. His inability to get Mac Jones to play like he did as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have Matt Patricia calling the plays is so embarrassing for for certainly the best professional sports coach in my lifetime, and we could talk about Scotty Bowman, we could go sport by sport, but the, uh, the, the one that I cover, it's not you. close. And for him to do this was so egregiously embarrassing two years ago. I, I was there for two days at training camp. It was a disaster. It's rare that reporters are going to be right on this stuff. I mean, every Patriots reporter I'm friendly with absolutely buried Belichick on this, and they were right and Bill was wrong. It's, um, that, unfortunately, is part of his legacy, that that can't happen. And I know from talking to people I really respect around the NFL, they, they, they've discussed it with me. Um, it, it's hard to understand why Bill thought he could do that, and that, that kind of ruined Mac Jones' career. He tried to dial back the hubris after uh, he was fighting for his Patriot job and yeah. lobbying for other jobs. It was on the record, as you correctly stated. Um, and he's earned a lot of it, but when you fall apart like the Patriots have the last two years, yeah, you can't be doing the things that he did. No, I'd agree. Oh, by the way, one more thing. It's someone brought up to me. It was kind of like uh, Andy when he uh, when he moved Juan Castillo to uh, defense coordinator. Oh, yeah. I think it's close. Yeah, That's where the no, other it is. When we, actually, we referenced that earlier. We talked about Andy's career in and here. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, it, Jody and I have been discussing all day that most people that we talk to and most uh, writers, broadcasters, former players, everybody is picking the Chiefs, <laughs> and yet – the Niners remain the favorite. I know. Uh, before we ask you for your pick, just kind of analyze why or, you, you've seen it. What's your yeah. uh, observation on that? Yeah, the to- I guess the, the the spread is two. So I work for one of the companies I work for is called Sports Grid, and we were talking about that on Friday with Scott Farrell. I, I've been on the Chiefs the whole week. I, I get it. I, I, I the, the Niners have a better roster. The better roster doesn't always win. Uh, I, I'm leaning towards Mahomes here, but it, to me, it's just because if you really look at it, the Niners have a superior roster. Uh, and then we could argue, and we don't have time to, to say who's got the better coaching staff, but I've learned my lesson to not bet against uh, particularly Patrick Mahomes, who's, you know, it, it, it's funny. I was talking to a bunch of former players at uh, Radio Row this week. I think we all would agree that most people would tell you that they, they got Patrick Mahomes wrong. Most people did not like Patrick Mahomes at all as a quarterback. And uh, it's it's also changed scouting. That mistake, and I can tell you the Eagles are very low on him in 2017. Mm. They were not very high on Patrick uh, Mahomes. Not that they needed him because they had they had Wentz, but they often turned grades in, and they, they were definitely low on him. And, by the way, just about every team was, except for the Seahawks, who actually were going to trade. They were actually they tried to trade up. My, myself and others reported this. The Seahawks actually tried to trade up uh, to get Mahomes, but the Chiefs beat him to it. Good for Andy Reid. Uh, yes. Oh, by the way, so people are admitting, hey, you might have been wrong about Patrick Mahomes. It, when the 49ers win this game, in case you haven't figured it out, <laughs> I'm picking San Francisco. Sure. Uh, will people finally move off this idiotic, he's a game manager, he's a system quarterback thing. If he sticks Patrick Mahomes' fourth loss on him in 18 games in the postseason, will Purdy get the credit he deserves? Uh, I, I do. I think, Jody, he'll get it. But he also, it's the West Coast system. Let's call it like it is. That scheme he's so perfect for because he's a timing-based quarterback. 
gets it out quickly. They're not asking him to throw the ball 40 yards downfield. It's 15 to 20 yards or sh- or shorter. Great schemer and great, and but Purdy, who by the way got benched multiple times at Iowa State. Think about that in his final two years. It's really remarkable. When I was at their training camp, when he was a rookie, he was fifth on the depth chart. It, it's one of these situations you scratch your head. How do these things happen? They missed Bailey on Trey Lance. They had an absolute grand slam. And by the way, they cannot extend his contract, Purdy's, no matter what happens. They can't extend right. it until Come after year three. It's yep. ridiculous. True. Hmm. Uh, one more thing I got, sure. uh, and and this isn't NFL, but it's college, and it was fascinating to me. Chip Kelly leaving yeah. a head coaching job at, at the storied program of UCLA. And I know there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, but Chip, there usually are to become offensive coordinator at Ohio State under Ryan Day. Um, let's get your thoughts on how in the world does something like this happen? All right, a couple things here. First of all, he's very close to Ryan Day. Uh, Ryan Day played for Chip right. uh, in college. UNH. So to move this forward, here's what's happened in college football. And following the NIL stuff, I'm friendly with some college head coaches. It, it's so bad right now. First of all, Chip was under tremendous pressure. Mm-hmm. He just barely skated by to keep his job at UCLA. And if you're Chip Kelly, knowing that in reality you're on borrowed time, and you've made so much money. I mean, people forget the Eagles owed him money for years, and he's, the Niners owed him money. It, it just it was a situation at this point of his career. We just saw that Jeff Hafley left the Boston College head coach to take a D coordinator job in the NFL. When you've made so much money in understanding NIL and, and budgets and how you're under pressure, I, never, I would have told people, if this was reported five years ago, that has to be wrong. Not anymore. These guys are going. We're going to. This is going to be epidemic, and uh, really in college football, guys are going to take less jobs. With NIL guys, it's really hard. There's a mid-major team. Uh, I'm, I can't. I'm not at liberty to tell you the college. They this. They only have 300 grand in NIL money. How in the heck could you compete against better schools? Right. You're going to lose players. Yeah. And and Chip again to, to to finalize this here. Chip knows that it was not good for him. You're in a great program at Ohio State with a coach he trusts because he, he knows he's very close to him. On the surface, it seems absurd, but we're going to see more of this. Well, uh, then one more question. Got to yep. follow up there. It, is there any chance of getting that horse back into the barn? Or is it done now that uh, college football coaching positions are just not going to be advantageous? Coaches are going to go, I want to coach. I don't want to have to re-recruit a guy every single year, re-recruit him four times to keep him here as per NIL. Is there any way the NCAA can reel this back in and maybe retake control of their game and make it something that a good coach wants to be part of? Jody, we just saw this with Halfley, which was stunning. Uh, Halfley was a, a co- assistant coach of the NFL. I don't know what he's making uh, with the Packers. Those guys usually make D coordinators with tenure, make 2 to $3 million a year. But to, to, to do that, you're going to see more of this, Jody. And it's, it's you know, could, could college football, the powers that be, stop us? No. It, it, until they can figure out how they're going to regulate NIL, this is going to continue. Well, not, there's no chance it's stopping. It's yeah. just the beginning of it. I, so think college, here. I think college football and college basketball are going to be a mess yep. because of NIL, because of the transfer portal for a while. They're, going to, have to, they're yep. going to have to figure it out because it's bad. I think this was all very noble uh, way to try to pay players. And I think players deserve some part of this thing. I do. I, I think the way it used to be was not fair. But the way it is now, it's just the system is broken. So you uh, tipped your hand with the Chiefs. Tell us how it goes down today. I got it. 24-20 Chiefs. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not betting against Andy or, or Mahomes. 
I know people are pointing to it being a high-scoring game. Well, remember, the one that was a high-scoring game was Week 7 last year. Here's another one for you before we get out of here. I've, I've been asked this a ton the last two weeks. I first kind of dismissed it, but now people are convincing me. Should we start talking about Spags and the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, particularly if they win? No. No. I said no, <laughs> but no. four-time Super Bowl winner, I mean, if they win today, I mean, that's, and look what the job he did with the Giants. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting question. A lot of smart people are asking wow. me. I'm like, ah, I dismissed it, but thinking about it at least. You guys say no. All well, right. I, I mean, and, and I guess this is looking at a very Eagles perspective. You know, Jim Johnson was a great yep. defensive coordinator. Yeah, the Eagles didn't win a Super Bowl here, but, God, he was great. Yep. Um, there are a few coordinators in there now, right? I know Dick LeBeau is in there. Help me out. Who's, who's in his? LeBeau also played. Yeah, he was a great yeah, player. Yeah, I know. He too. played with yeah. the Lions. But are there any guys in as pretty much just coordinators? No. Yeah, not that I could think of right now. But I just thought it was an interesting discussion because at what point – because we know Andy's one of the top three or four head coaches in NFL history. He's certainly headed towards that. And we'll see when he retires. But it's uh, it's fascinating. I just – I had never thought about that. But I'm looking at his success and – this is a guy Sean Payton draft, uh, excuse me, fired, if you recall, and their roster was terrible. And I think if Sean could probably go back, he probably would not have done that. But that's another story for another yeah. time. All right, before we let you go, actually, one more question. Sure, why not? Are you a chicken wing guy? Uh, a chicken wing guy? No, I'm a vegan, so I don't eat that. Okay. That's how I well, drop. Then, then you don't get to vote on this. So sorry. <laughs> I like to say tan wings. No, but I used to love wings. Oh God, are you kidding me? I used yeah. to love. You're wings. a good beer guy. I know that much. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. you know that. We'll get you back on the beer. All right, guys. Adam, a pleasure. Thanks so Thanks, much for Adam. joining us. Enjoy Thank the you. Super Bowl. See you. All right, there you go. Um, the chicken wing vote, Jody, has concluded. Just oh, it ended. I thought it was one thirty. Uh, one twenty. Sorry about okay. that. Right. Uh, you know, when you set this thing, I just tried to look at the time. I missed it by ten minutes. But final vote: oh, fifteen hundred and thirteen votes. Drummies, fifty point one percent. Flats, 49.9. Drummies are the winner. There will be no challenge to this vote. Really? Yes. I thought you were a flat guy. I thought you challenged. I thought I you'd vote a challenge I, No, I respect the electoral process. Okay. Good for you. I, yeah. well, I voted for flats. I know. Oh, I didn't vote in my own poll. I wonder I if I would have swung it. I turned I, out a winner on this one. Not you are the winner, but I got to tell you, that's a close vote. And, and you know it was funny. Uh, what was the total number of votes? Fifteen hundred and thirteen. Ironically, it should have been fifteen fifteen. We needed two more votes. You and to me? make it the exact same number. No, fifteen fifteen. That's how close the vote was. It oh, almost was fifty yeah. fifty. So oh, you should have had fifteen yeah. fifteen number of votes. Yeah, yeah. That would that would have been good. Uh, but you know what's good about this? If all of these people pair up. All of these 1,500-plus people can go out, order wings, and split them. Yeah, and right down the middle. Happy. You take yours, I'll take mine. Right, That's right. perfect. There's harmony in this split, Jody. There may be harmony in chicken wings, but not with the Philadelphia Eagles who are considering trading Hassan Reddick right yeah. now. Not good. No, don't like that at all. Don't like that. All right, so uh, Adam was a great guest. We have opened up the phone lines uh, 215-592-9494. Jody and I are here until 2 today. We get the bonus hour, Super Bowl kickoff, 630. We'd love to talk to you about any of the things we've had today. 215-592-9494. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP.
Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94. WIP, we are five hours from kickoff at the Super Bowl. Jody, let's uh, you want to do some Super Bowl props together? Tell you what, I got a list of twenty. I don't know, we wouldn't do all of them, but how about we'll we'll uh, each make our pick and bet uh, a beer. Okay. All right, hold on. I gotta if get we but if we agree, there's no beer bet. Yeah, correct. We can agree on each one, but we're not going to agree on all twenty. Okay. Uh, Justin, you want to vote with us too? Yeah, sure. You're invited. All right, here you go. Uh, these are the uh, Bet Online Party Props sheet. Printed one out. I'm going to do it with the five people of my party, but we'll do it with Jody and Glenn and Justin, our Morganson, our producer. So, uh, length of the national anthem, the over under is 86.5 seconds. Jody, over or under? When in doubt, go over. Justin? I'm going to go under. Country singer, I don't see her hitting those notes. All right, you're going under. I'm agreeing with Jody. Oh, God, you're a JM and he's a JM. All right, well, i got to figure that out then. You're J-U-M. All right, so I'm over. Jody's over. All right. Uh, I don't want to do the coin toss. That one's stupid. Um, what team will commit the first accepted penalty, commit the first penalty, Niners or Chiefs? Justin. It'll be a false start on the Niners. <laughs> I like the specificity. Jody. We'll start on Chiefs. All right. I'm going to go with Justin on that and say it's that. Okay. Um, will either team score in the first five minutes and 30 seconds? I say yes. Jody, you say? Yes. Justin, you say? Nope. Have the under in this game. All right. All right. Good. Uh, which team will score first? Jody, who's going to score first? I think the Chiefs might actually score first. All right. Justin? Chiefs kick a field goal, go up 3 nothing. Well, I, I, we all agree. Okay, we, so there's no, no bet on that one. Uh, what will scoring play will uh, occur first? Justin, you already said a field goal. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say a field goal too. Jody? I'll say a Mahomes pass. All right, Jody Mack. Okay. Uh, who will throw the first touchdown pass? Well, Jody's got Mahomes. I'm going to take Mahomes. Justin? I'll go Brock Purdy. All right. There you go. Somebody's going to win a beer on this thing. Uh, what team will call the first timeout? I don't care. Yeah, I, yeah it's kind of an that's, irrelevant that's, question. That's a uh, the shortest touchdown of the game, over under 1.5 yards. I'll take under. I think there's going to be a tush push or something. The quarterback sneak in there. Justin? Ab- absolutely over. Yeah, I'm going over. Neither of these quarterbacks really sneak, especially after Mahomes got hurt on that one a few years ago. Okay, good point. Who will have more passing yards, Purdy or Mahomes? Justin, you go first. Mahomes. Jody? Mahomes because he's going to be chasing. Yeah, oh, okay. I say Mahomes too. Who will have more receiving yards, Brandon Ayuk or Travis Kelsey? Uh, I'm going to say Kelsey's going to have the big day. Jody? I'll take Kelsey, but not for the reason you gave. I think because Debo is going to have the big day. Yeah, I agree with the same Ah. reason as Jody. All right, well, then we're all on the same side, so there's no bet there. How many rushing yards will Christian McCaffrey have over under 91.5, Jody Mack? Under. Under. Justin. Under, but it'll be a factor in the receiving game. Justin, you're very uh, very specific. Um, yeah, I say under two. All right, no bet there. 
How many passing yards will Patrick Mahomes have? Over-under is 260 and a half. I'm going over, Justin. I'll go over. Over. Yeah, we're all the same. Jody, you say he's going to be chasing. Will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? Justin. Yes. Ooh. Give me a pick six. <laughs> oh, Jody. I'll say no, but there'll be one that'll lend itself to a very easy touchdown thereafter. All right. But but that's a no for yeah. the purposes of this I got bet. it. So there's going to be an interception tackled at the five-yard line or something Correct. like that. Okay. Justin, what, did, what? tell me what you foresee there. Well, we were agreeing with a lot there, but I will say I feel like in most Super Bowls there's typically a big turnover that results in points that ends up swinging the game. Like the Saints one comes to mind with uh, mm. Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mal- or There's been a few others, I think. Yeah, Steelers but, uh, won one on yeah. the interception years ago. Uh, James Harrison for uh, Pittsburgh against Huge. Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. God, that was a good Super Bowl. That was the the Steelers-Cardinals one? Yep. Right? Yes. That was, that was right at the end of the first half? Oh, God. That was that was one of the most entertaining Super Bowls ever. Uh, next to uh, 52, which was the greatest one ever. How many sacks will there be in the game over, under, is five and a half? I'm taking under, Jody. That's a good number. I would say five. So I'll go under, too, but it's close. Okay, Justin. Yeah, I'm under. Purdy gets right. rid of it too fast. We're all under no bet there. How many turnovers will there be in the game over under two and a half, Justin? I'll go under. Jody? Same here. I'm under. Yeah, two and a half is a lot. I, it's like I don't think – I think there will be a an interception in the game. I don't think they'll both throw interceptions. I think there's a good chance that there will be a fumble turnover in a game, but that's two. Two and a half means I got to go three. I don't. I don't see three. I'll tell you why I would never make that bet. Yeah. Because if you bet under specifically, we're all under. Um, the hail mary into the end zone, uh, last play of the game doesn't really count. Doesn't change anything. But a defensive back comes down with it and it's an interception, and that's your third int uh, third turnover of the game. I'd throw something at my TV. I don't want to do that. It's the equivalent of the empty net goal. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> or garbage time in basketball. It's just like that's like why am I betting this when it's completely ridiculous? Okay, I got you there. Uh, oh, I like this one. The length of the longest field goal over under 46 and a half. I'm going to go over. I think there's going to be a long field goal. Uh, Jody. As do I, and I'll I'll predict that it comes within the last 20 seconds of the first half. Yeah, that's always a good bet, right? Yep. You have the ball at their 38-yard line, and it's 10 seconds to go. Let's kick the 55-yarder and go into the uh, locker room at halftime. Justin, you agree or not? So is this a made field goal or an attempted field goal? M- uh, made. Yeah, I'm going to go with you guys and say over. All right, so no bet there. We agree on a lot of these things. And it's a dome stadium, so it's perfect conditions. Guy's going to make it from 50. Not a problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many points? Well, this is the over and earned points. 47 and a half. Jody. Not only do I think it's going to be over 47 and a half, I've made a wager where I've moved the over under up to 53 and a half, and I'm still over. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That'd be so I'm definitely game. going over 47 and a half. All right, Justin, what do you say? I'm going under. People forget this Chiefs defense is so much better than it was last year in, you know, high-scoring Super Bowl. So I'm going under. Okay, hold on. Let me write that down. 
write this down. You're under. I'm going over, and I'll give our my prediction for the game in a moment, but I'm going to go over. And finally, and most importantly, which team will win Super Bowl 57? Justin Morgenstein. I got the same prediction as Adam. I'm going 24 to 20. Uh, Chiefs. Okay. Jody Mack. Yeah, you know, I'm taking uh, the 49ers. I'm going to look at the media picks and say, yeah, they're going to get that wrong. Um, I got no problems taking, even though they are the favorites, and I'll lay the two points because I got them winning by more than two, uh, I'll fly in the face of the supposed experts on this one. I will tell you that that's usually a very safe move. Whatever everybody predicts, go the other way and you'll win, right? I mean, there's there's a, certainly a history to picking against the experts. I'm just trying to ignore all that and go with what I think, and I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. We'll give our official scores and how it breaks down coming up. I think it's got the potential to be a really good game, at least I hope so, because it's not one that, as a fan, I got a lot of interest in. I rooted against both of these teams during the playoffs, now I got to pick one. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I think they're a s- slightly, uh, I don't know, they're not a favorite, but in my mind, a slight favorite to win. And we just bet a beer on all of these props. I will save this and we will have it for future reference. I would just tell you, Joe, oh, you know, Jody Mack, the, uh, my beer show, What's Brewing, kicks up. Actually, we're taping the first episodes tomorrow. And you are going to be joining me. For a couple of episodes, I just want to look up when and where that is so I know I got it right. You said right. one later this month over here in South Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, – hold on. You uh, – by the way, the show uh, kicks – you'll see it on February 24th, the first two episodes. I'm new with Lou Bryson. Jody and I will be taping on the 28th from Kings Row Brewing right down the uh, street from you. Yeah, over there. just the uh, hop, skip, and a jump. You know, you know, again, I've said this before, twist my arm – to go do day drinking with Glenn Mack now. What a what what an ask. I don't know that I say what I an continue. ask. Ask. Oh, thank you. K. Hit that um, K. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't have to twist real hard, Mac man. By the way, one of the things I'm trying to do during the 16 episodes we're doing this year is is drink a beer from all 50 states. So when you come, we will be uh, trying. I'll, I'm going to find four states, and we're going to do – I don't know Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and uh, and North Dakota. So, why the hell would you pick those four? Well, I, uh, because they're in the, among the fifty states. We're going to drink beer during the season from all fifty states. I'm not sure you. All right, when you're there, we'll do Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. How's that? You like that? So better? you're always going to group them together. It's well, if be I a, can do a, a little geographic thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I can I opt for Hawaii, California? I'm doing that this Alaska. week. Oh, shoot. We're doing that. That's the first Damn episode. It. Washington, oh, Oregon, uh, Hawaii, and Alaska. I got those actually oh, sitting in the fridge next to me. Shoot. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell you, I'll, I'll try to please you. We'll, we'll get something you like. Uh, Again, I, I'm kind of an easy, uh, yeah, you easy are. date buddy. Yeah. You, bring, you bring them out. I'll sample anything you got. And you know what I discovered doing the show with you? I hope you just you like more beers than you think you like. No. Yes. I, I'm I'm going yes. to I'm going to depict myself the way I should be depicted. I'm very open minded. I'm not a hater. So yeah, you give me a good beer, I'll drink it. I like it. Do I get a choice? Yeah, I'll have Budweiser. That hasn't changed. That's fifty years in the making. 
but I'm open-minded and uh, will be ready, willing, and able to try anything. Doesn't mean I'm not going to like it just because it's going to come in uh, somewhere down the list of all-time faves. I think the style of beer I've noticed you like best, the style of beer is free. Oh, that uh, top of the list, yes. <laughs> And and when I was just a wee lad, my father used to get Budweiser for free from the New York uh, Mets because they uh, were a team sponsor. So that that was always a plus in my category. All right, we got one segment to go before we uh, get off the air. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. Johnny McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, get a call real fast here, then we'll uh, give our detailed picks. Marcus and Percasey, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, first thing first, I want to let you know that I'm uh, one of the people that pushed drums over the line there. Very good. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, more meat, easier to get to. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely livid about the Hassan Reddick situation, and probably the thing that that – makes me the most angry about it is that if he had, if he had said, I want out earlier, maybe it would have pushed Jeffrey's hand to get uh, Nick out of town. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that. I don't think. Um, Also, I, I, you know, how he's obviously not blameless in this. I mean, he he had all season to try and work out an extension or, you know, or, you know, a a new deal for, for the guy. So very, very upsetting. And I'm I'm worried that this might be like the, the first, the first drop in a bucket of, of people saying we don't like it here anymore. Yes, I agree. This has been, thanks for your call. It's been a very desirable destination and it is not good to see that. All right, Jody, let's make our picks and then we'll find out what we forgot to talk about. Uh, you got the Niners. How does it play out? I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I think while both teams would like to run the football, I think they both want to run the football to set up the pass. And people are giving Kansas City a lot of credit as well. They should. Spagnola's done a great job in Spags We Trust, supposedly. Uh, key has been their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, number one, they lost a key defensive end in their last game, going to be without him for today's game. And they get most of their pressure via the blitz. <laughs> Brock Purdy has got one of the quickest triggers in the National Football League. And he's got guys who can make those quick receiver plays like Debo, like Kittle, like McCaffrey quickly out of the backfield. I don't think he's going to stand back there and wait for the blitz to come. I think he beats the blitz by getting it out of his hands quickly. Something, unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't do well enough this year. Um, Yeah, I think both teams are going to go up and down the field. A high-scoring affair that I have a final score of, and I checked. It's not a score agami. It's okay. a it's a Super Bowl score, Agami, right. but it has been done before in the National Football League. 49ers 34, 
Kansas City Chiefs 29. And let me borrow a page from Justin Morgan's team and give you more details than you need. The reason it's 29, Kansas City scores a touchdown with under five minutes to go and goes for two to uh, get within three points, and they don't convert. All right. So they miss. So a 5.49er win, 34-29. I like the Niners in the over. All right. Uh, I'm going the other way. Kansas City, 27-24. And I think the run, you mentioned the run game. Andy's become a bit of a running coach. And I know people talk about the the Niners defense, which is good, but it hasn't been good against the run. The Packers ran against it. The Lions ran against it in the playoffs. I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a big day. I don't know what the overrunner on. I don't care. But I think he's going to have a big day. I'm I'm looking at that. I think the Chiefs are going to run right at Chase Young, who has not had a very good postseason. Kansas City wins, man. And we talked about this at the start of the show. They're a dynasty. I mean, they're they're Andy is is Hall of Fame, and the quarterback Mahomes is Hall of Fame, and the tight end is also going to have a big game. And I will just say this, Jody, I'm extremely proud of us and our callers that we have now gone three hours and ten minutes. Or th- excuse me, three hours and 50 minutes, and one name has not been mentioned. <laughs> and I'm not going to bring it up, but Justin Morgenstein gets to tell us what we forgot to talk about. Yeah, so a lot to cover today, but uh, I will say Super Bowl-related, the one thing I wanted to bring up was we talked about earlier in the show how you know one of the biggest plays in the Super Bowl last year was you know Darius Toney's punt return, of course, that oh. kind of swayed it at the end. Kadarius Toney will be a healthy scratch, even though he is you know, fully ready to go for tonight's game. So no Kadarius Toney. Yeah, do he not, the ball all year. Yeah, man. Don't, don't get those uh, touchdown bets in there. So those will be voided. Uh, <laughs> besides that, we have a little update on Reddick here from you know, Ian Ratport that we missed during the show. A little piece of audio I have right here. There's a little more Eagles news. Sources say their star pass rusher, Hassan Reddick, has received permission to seek a trade. The Eagles, of course, acquired him in free agency, double-digit sacks. Both of the last two years, a pro bowler been one of the best players off the edge, wants to get paid again. Do not be surprised if he gets paid elsewhere, a potential big-time addition somewhere in the NFL. So I know this has you panicking a little, Glenn. Hate it. But I think that it almost is reminiscent of the Slay situation a little last year to where you have a guy that's about to be on the other end of 30 that's wanting a new contract and is probably underpaid for what his positional value is among the league. Adam Kaplan laid that out for us. I think it ends up being a thing where they go this offseason, he kind of sees what's out there, and then the Eagles will match kind of whatever is floating around. Jody, is he back next year? Yeah, I think more likely yes than no. Okay, I hope so. not slamming the door, but uh, that's why I asked Adam when we had him on the same question. Do they let him just go out and find out what his market is? And if he finds out it's great, he's going to force their hand. But if it's not, then the Eagles can still get a deal done, like Justin Jones suggested. I just have a really difficult time believing that with the talent deficiencies that are on this defense right now, that Howie Roseman is going to let arguably his best defensive player walk out of the door. Uh, and again, I just everything in the NFL is typically a negotiation con. Uh, you know, has something to do with negotiation of contracts and money. So that's what I'm. I just to I, and I agree with you. It is. It, it is. It's always about the money, right? And people say it's about winning. It's about where I am, but it's about the money. But I just I worry that he has discontent over how he was used last year, and maybe how he will be used in the future under the new defense coordinator. Uh, We'll see. we got time for one more. Yep. Last thing is, I don't know if you guys were keeping track of this at all this weekend. I'm not the biggest golf guy. I know Ben Kenny's our uh, you know, golf guy producer here, but the Waste Management Open has just been absolutely insane. I know it's typically 
a rowdy event where everyone's you know, throwing the beers on the course and just going crazy in stands. Like apparently they had thousands of people just getting in without tickets and they had to cut off beer sales yesterday at one point because I was getting absolutely just ridiculous and good. Yeah, like golfers golf. chirping back at the uh, at the fans. So that's something I might have to experience one day. I like rowdy golf. Golf should be rowdier. I, I, I one of the things about golf that annoys me is shh. I mean, you know, guys play in every other sport and people are making noise. Golf, you can't do it. Uh, I got one real quick thing, Jody. It's got to, We got to get this in less than a minute. Phil Mickelson claimed this week that he has had forty-seven holes in one to his name. Uh, by the way, Tiger Woods' count on that is twenty. Arnold Palmer had 21 in his career. Jack Nicholas claims 20. Is it possible that Phil Mickelson hit more than any of those two guys combined? Sure. Um, are we talking about in-tournament play, or are we just talking about in your life? Uh, I didn't say. Okay. Well, then if it's his life, yeah, he, yeah, he plays enough it. that he could uh, he could put up that kind of number. Yeah, I'm going to go no. Okay. It's unprovable, but I'm 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 gonna. You know, it wasn't the North Korean dictator said that he once was 38 under par. I think Mickelson's going that same direction. All right, Justin Morgenstein, that's it. That is all. All right, very nice job by you today. Really appreciate it, Jody. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. No more uh, BetQL. You and I every Sunday, big guy. Sweet. Yeah, I know. Sweet. Anyway, everybody, uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Hope that it lives up to all the hype um, and that uh, you just have a great time watching. And whether you're a flats guy or a drummy guy, enjoy your food. Enjoy the game tonight. For Jody McDonald and our producer, Justin Morgenstein, I'm Glenn Mack now. We'll see you next weekend on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. 